Brother, should I run for president? Brother, should I trust the government? Welcome to Yes Mother, the podcast about the A&E show Bates Motel. Tonight we'll be recapping the season finale episode of season four called Norman. I'm Em. I'm Sue. It's kind of a disaster, but not too bad. <laughs> I've done worse. <laughs> Hush now, baby, baby, don't you cry. Mama's gonna make all of your nightmares come true Mama's gonna put all of her fears into you Mama's gonna keep you right here under her wing She won't let you fly, but she might let you sing Mama's gonna keep baby cozy and warm I thought I heard something weird. <laughs> you said you weren't going to move a bustle. <laughs> I know, I did. I had to get my iPod, iPad so I could read it. Oh. So yeah, recapping a few days after doing the feedback one. This is weird. Yeah, a little weird. I don't know if we've done that before. Maybe. Maybe. I've uh, been able to watch it one more time. Me too. Did my casual watch. Oh, good. How did it go? Good, good. I watched it with uh, Kat and Booker, our nephew. What did Booker think? It got him interested to watch the show. Oh. So, because he hasn't watched the show, so. But we listened, he and I and cat drove out to Wyoming together and we listened to the feedback podcast and it made him interested <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't spoiling anything he's he knows the story of psycho so yeah I, you know we didn't feel bad that he was listening no it, I don't know there's some things that can really there's some spoilers that can really spoil something but there's others that you know I feel like if you know that Norman Romero eventually get together. Those things aren't going to like nah. ruin a show for you to just come in and start a show knowing that stuff. But to me, that's just 
fine. It's just another way to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And he, he really has, like, no sense of what season it is or anything. So mm. when he eventually does watch, he's not going to. It, that could have been season two for all he knows, you know. Yeah. So. So yeah, but no, it was fun. I I enjoyed watching it just as a casual viewer. But man, that ending is still very hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was so psyched up for it to be horrible because I watched it again and, I was. Yeah, it was hard to watch again, and I was mad at—I found myself mad at Norman again. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wasn't as uh, understanding. I was like mad anew. I wasn't to the levels of hatred. Mm-hmm. But I was—I mostly couldn't understand how anyone could be on his side and think it's romantic anymore. It just—it wasn't at all to me. Right. Like my heart hardened. <laughs> I just I don't know the ring thing again and it wasn't just because I was on Romero's side Rom- it wasn't just because I was on Romero's side about the ring and always have been it seemed it seemed silly and disrespectful on his end to be honest right I, I just well and Catherine pointed out when he's pulling the ring off her finger when she's like laying on the table, uh-huh. he breaks her finger. Yeah, I actually noticed that this time and was kind of horrified. Yeah, I didn't notice it at all until Cat pointed it out. What he came across to me this last time was just extremely selfish. Just absolute and extreme pure selfishness. What he came across this time to me is I'm pretty convinced he really thought she was alive and faking it. Hmm. And that she was like lying there on the table alive and that she was lying there in the coffin during the funeral alive. And just like alive. Yeah, I kept trying to pin down what I felt that way mm-hmm. and what I th- and what I thought was going through his head and I finally just decided it, you, how can you even I mean you can't you can't explain crazy very well you know what I mean Right. it's just really hard to know what's actually going on in his head because it's messed up in there and I don't know. I couldn't. I could not decide. I don't know. It was it was weird when he's in the hospital with Romero, because he almost seemed like he knew what he did, and it was kind of a "What are you going to do about it?" Mm-hmm. It was kind of smug almost. He was very smug in the hospital with Romero. Yeah, so what's he thinking at that point? Who, Romero? No, Norman. About his mother. I think he thinks she's alive and 
came up with this plan to pretend to be dead so that Romero won't bother her anymore. And so Norman's like, you can't come around the house anymore. I don't want you anywhere near me, you know? Yeah. Because he catches himself a couple times during the episode where he, like, talks about her in the past tense or in the present tense and then catches himself and talks about her in the past tense, you know? Yeah, I caught the one in the funeral, planning the funeral. Well, planning it in the funeral home. He does it again, I think, with the uh, detective. Mm. I watched her face in that entire scene talking to Norman, and she looked kind of freaked out. I decided that she's a little wary of him. (laughs) I think she is. I think she is. And she looks familiar to me, too. Oh, yeah. I've definitely seen her and stuff. Yeah. And I came up with the idea that she's going to be like the detective that kind of shows up in Psycho. I think so. I that think... works with Marion Crane's sister. Yeah. I think I... she's going to keep a cloak of suspicion about him. I think so. Because I, I don't think you get an actress like that to just play a dumb little, you know, role. Yeah. In one episode, you know. Yeah, I thought that too. Well, we got a couple little feedbacks in between last time and this time. Should we do those real quick? Okay. Yes, we should. All right, Matt. Um, we looked up the DEA agent. Seems like there's a little bit of a mistake in the casting because they don't have her listed. You're right. She's not listed under episode 10 of season 4, but she's listed in episode 10 of season 3. Her name is Annika Noni Rose. And it looks like she's, I guess she played the princess in The Princess and the Frog, but that was a voice credit. Oh, and she was in Dreamgirls, how the role, I don't know, I didn't see it. Me neither. She's the fifth, sixth person listed, so probably pretty, maybe wonder if she was one of the girls. And she must have a nice voice because she played the princess. Laurel Robinson, that was her name in Dreamgirls. Ooh, she was in From Justin to Kelly. Oh, yeah, that's where I know her from. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like she she was in Bag of Bones. I read that book, but I didn't see the movie. But she's playing like the singer in like a jazz band. Oh, the Stephen King? Yeah. I think I saw that and it was terrible. I'm trying to remember which one the book, which book it was. Remember the cover of it and I know for sure I read it. I think it's just a guy. Yeah. I think he's living in a, he's an author and he's living in his summer home. Yes. And his wife died and... I think he keeps getting haunted by ghosts. She's probably one of them. So, there we go. Okay. Yep, I'll read Candice. Um, she titles her comic card, I'm behind. <laughs> she says, hey ladies, I'm sorry I've not sent feedback, but I haven't been able to watch since there's no place like home. 
I'm looking forward to watching all, hopefully this weekend. Didn't want y'all to think I'd been murdered or something. <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Candy in the maybe this time room. <laughs> well, Candy. Hope Thanks, you Frank. Hope you got through those. <laughs> yeah, good luck, Candy. <laughs> <laughs> You're in for a treat. Yes. <laughs> which which one is there's no place like home? I guess that's the one where he decides to come home. I th- yeah, I think so. Okay, so she gets all the Norman's home stuff. Maybe three episodes? About three episodes, I think, yeah. Yeah. Good times. So, but thanks for Different. checking in. Yeah, thanks for checking in. and we're We're fine. I mean, don't worry about it. You send in feedback when you can, when you have the inclination, and when you've seen the episodes. So, Yeah, and with a season like this, we totally understand like getting behind and not sending in feedback because it's too much. Yeah, we got a lot of, I just can't talk about this one, or <laughs> yeah. just, just, just can't. So we will do the talking for you, all of those people that can't. <laughs> <laughs> And it was good to hear from you, Candy. Hope you're enjoying your stay in the maybe this time room. Maybe this time, Norma <laughs> won't die. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> so then we got something from Vicky, but it's basically just telling us that she's not the one that sent that feedback in. <laughs> she's not Dr. AK. So there was two people who found our laughter a little hard to take at first and then they liked it after yeah and just happened to comment on happened it. to both comment <laughs> on it like on the same day or right around the same day but i did find because she was worried that her itunes review didn't get posted but i found it oh okay itunes is weird sometimes things take a while yeah and like we changed our picture two years ago Mm-hmm. And it shows up on my phone under like the podcasts I've uh, I subscribe to and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's got the new one, which is hard to call new at this point. But when I search, when I look for reviews, so I search for Yes Mother, it still pops up as the old the old one, yeah, picture, yep. But yep. When I saw that she was like, I sent an iTunes review and I can't find it. I found it. And it okay. just posted like two days ago. Okay. Like so. I said, sometimes things just take a while on iTunes. Yep. But I'll I'll read her iTunes review. Um, okay. She gave us five stars. And she says, if you are a Bates and Psycho fan, you will enjoy this wonderful podcast. Em and Sue are great because they know all the details of Psycho and the episodes they are reviewing. That is very important when listening to a review. I really enjoy the humor they have for the show. It adds to the fun to the podcast. That is always appreciated. Keep it up, guys. I'll keep listening. Vicky. Thanks, Vicky. That's very nice. Very nice. Thank you all. And then the okay. last one's from Kristen. You want to read that one? Sure. Kristen says, Hi, Sue and Em. Can we just go back to Norman Romero in their fairy tale bubble? Oh, yeah, we want to. <laughs> wow, what a fantastic season. I think it has stayed true to the original Psycho movie, holding us in constant suspense. 
Yeah, they're staying true to it so deliciously. Yes, they are. So excited about that. More than I might have thought they would have a few years yep. ago and stuff. Yeah. I'm really enjoying that aspect. She says, I was shocked Norm actually died. I knew she was doomed from the start, but I was still surprised. It didn't happen at all the way I expected. It was such a tragic ending to a tragic life. Yeah, I didn't expect the way it happened at all either. Mm -mm. Really took me off my guard. (laughs) Um, Watching Norman's progression deeper and deeper into his mental illness is heartbreaking. The line continues to blur between Norman and Head Norma. I wonder how much he realizes what's happening. I'm so angry with him, and I feel so sorry for him at the same time. Yeah, that describes my last watching. (laughs) I was angry at him, but I also definitely had the sorry moments. It was a pity thing, a pity kind of how you look at someone with like a mental illness or something that they can barely control. That's, you know, that's just what's so hard about this whole thing is you know we've grown to love we've grown to love norman too you know oh for sure and to see him going through this is really hard and you are just so angry and you just hate him sometimes but then you gotta be like ah he's got this stupid mental illness (laughs) you know (laughs) it's like how much of an excuse do you give him Yeah, it's like how you feel about, like, the alcoholics in your life. (laughs) Right. It's like, they still can make you very angry, but you still have that, but you've got a disease. (laughs) Right, right, because there's those moments of awesomeness that they have, you know. Mm -hmm. And, it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I, I have those feelings just almost simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Anger and sorry. Yeah. It's just crappy. Sad. And I love Norma the most of all, and so to side with Norma, you know, it, uh, it, he took away, we knew that he was going to, but the reality of him doing it and him taking her away from us is, uh, not fun. Nope. It's not fun at all. Um, the scene with Chick was amazing. It seemed like the only time Norman recognized that Norma was actually dead. Leave it to Chick to point out the obvious. Did Chick see Norma on the couch? I think the conversation works either way, but I'm curious. What do you think? We know for a fact he saw her. Yes, he totally saw her which we discussed in the last episode, which I'm, if you're listening to this one, you probably listened to it already. But yeah, we did get confirmed from Carlton Cuse in something I read on Twitter or something that he confirmed that he saw him. Nice. She says, I give this finale 10 out of 10 chicken enchilada casseroles. I like that. I think that should be the official rating system. <laughs> it so. should. It should. Um, she says, I can't wait to see next season. I wish it wasn't such a long wait. I'm really going to miss the show and listening to your podcasts. Pick other good stuff to watch and podcast about it. I'll faithfully watch and listen. You guys are awesome, Chris. 
Well, we're picking dollhouses. Dollhouse. Jury's out on that one. I am a little nervous. I also, well, thanks, Chris, but I also want to read the text that you sent me a couple days ago. <laughs> she goes, I just started the most recent baits. What the crap? Is Norma actually dead? I thought for sure they would revive her. Crazy. I'm going to go back to watching it. I can't wait to see what's next. Have fun in Wyoming. And all I said was, good luck with the last five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Is this the first time hearing from her after she had seen Mm -hmm. the whole thing? Well, I had, I also, like, texted her, and I said, hey, we, because she sent me that the day after we had recorded the feedback one, and I said, we recorded last night, but only was able to get through feedback, so if you want to send us, you know, an email, right. we're going to be recording in a few days, so that's when we got that email, so. That's funny. Yep. So, yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Good hearing from you. Yep. And I just love, because I got a text from my friend Doug in Las Vegas. He loved the finale. So. Good. I've just decided that those people that are upset about it are just a small minority of people. Yeah, I'm. And it's not, you know. It's not the critics, and it's not like yeah, it was bungled up. It's just there's there's going to be opinion there's going to be opinion for everything, and you know, and you will find people that agree with your opinion. No, but I I'm just happy that it just seems like the majority of our listeners and feedbackers and people I have talked to that watch the show but don't send feedback and stuff were just thrilled with the ending just thrilled well it, it was it was amazing <laughs> it, was. it was so that that it makes was, me happy it was brave and it was shocking and it was all the good things yep i know people are concerned i've heard more than a few people most of them that are mad think that she's going to be this stinky, rotten corpse. And, you know, to those people, I would say, no, this is, this is why she's so fresh and why they made the timeline so fresh. Cause he's going to taxidermy her soon. And I'm right. sure all of you have seen a taxidermied animal. They're, they're not maggot infested, no. rotten, stinky things. They're, uh, no. preserved quite nicely. Yeah. It's going to be weird because it's a human. You don't see that every day. And I do not know how they're going to portray that. I have no idea if it's going to look like a wax museum thing. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm picturing. Right. I don't think it's going to look like the Bride of Frankenstein or anything. The mother in Psycho is quite mummified. But we're going to see the newer version, and it's 
Um, well, and honestly, I don't know how often we're going to even see the taxidermy Norma. I think we're going to see head Norma more than anything. For sure. It'll you know? just be glimpses now and then, if yeah. at all. So I don't even know if that's a thing, you know. I bet we don't. I bet it'll be a lot like Psycho where you just see the legs. Yeah. Yeah, I'm carrying her, you know. Right. Yeah, I. I don't think we're gonna hardly see a taxidermy Norma sitting there, much at all. No, I bet we see it initially. I bet we see it, but if you're thinking that that's mostly what you're gonna see, well, no, we're gonna see head Norma. Yeah, and Norman's not gonna sit for months with a rotting corpse. It's oh just, hell no! That's, that's that's not how the story goes. No. <laughs> that long sentence will never be the same. That's just gross to even think that that would gross. <laughs> no, we're gonna see pretty Norma, you know, alive, kinda. Yeah, we're not. We're gonna see. I'm wagering, Norman. In a normal wig and dress. <laughs> I so please, hope please. so. I can't wait to see how they progress into that. They've got it. That's such a big, it's it's such, such a, a big huge part, part of, of the psycho. Story. And they're so close at this point. So. I know. I know. I'm really excited. I can't <laughs> wait to see like what what happens to make them don the wig and the dress. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny that I know, you should be that <laughs> I don't yeah. know what other concerns I've trying to think of other concerns I've seen out there. Yeah, we're not even going to address the um, changing the story of Psycho because we're not even going to entertain that wish or whatever. That's that is not what Yes Mother wants or <laughs> condones or condones. <laughs> No. It, it might have been hard to lose Norma, and like we've said, we loved her to death. We love Normero, but oh, they gave us such a great run. Oh, they did. Oh, they gave us seasons of fantastic Normero. None better than this season with them finally getting together. It was just fairy tale perfect, and I'm so yeah. glad they did that for us. And we'll always have it. Yeah. No, I don't I don't want to talk about that other part. It's just it's very upsetting to me. The more I think about it, the more upset I get about changing the story. Yeah, just people being mad. Hmm. You know, cuz it just really upsets me that people think that way. <laughs> <laughs> Sue wants to shush that. <laughs> it just makes me sad that these people like are willing to give up one of the best written one of the best acted and directed shows there is on TV because a freaking relationship that they liked didn't happen, you know, or didn't get the fairy tale ending that they wanted. Yeah, I don't think it's all that. I think it's disinterest cuz the character of Norma's gone. I think She's that's not. also a part We're going to get a whole new level of Norma. Yeah. We're going to get Head Norma. We are indeed. You know. And I, Head Norma will have changed. 
she already has changed. That scene of Head Norma in in the Christmas scene mm-hmm. was a different Head Norma than, say, the one that interrupted um, Norman from having sex with Bradley or something. Right. She just had a different air about her. Because now she really has to fill in the role of mother. <clears throat> she does. She's And she's... So she's evolving, and I have no she's doubt... She's evolving, they're... and these are fantastic writers, and, you know, I have... I just don't understand throwing all that away for, you know... I mean, I get quitting a show because the writing's gone bad, you know. Right. That happens. Where there's a couple great seasons, and then a new showrunner or something turns up, and boom, it just goes downhill. There's a difference, though, you know. Yeah, and... um, That's not what's happening here. (laughs) No, definitely. Definitely not. I'm guessing, actually, that this was... People that are quitting are going to um, take a step back, hopefully, and get over the shock. And I I can't imagine one of these people that are claiming to quit, it's going to be starting back up again and they're going to see it on their newsfeed and they're going to see it happening and not be curious and not have gotten over it a little to watch it. Yeah. I'd be surprised that there's going to be a very large population that more than maybe a few people that don't go back to it. They're just uh, reacting right now, out of emotion and whatnot. That's my guess. Yeah, I hope so, because, man, you're missing out, I'm sure, because it's just going to be great. You're going to have almost a year to kind of let it all sink in and get over it. (laughs) Well, yeah. Well, it's... It's Whatever. only been a week tonight. That's so. true. Even in another week. Oh, we'll see. That's the real tragedy. Is there wasn't a new Bates to watch. Boo. I found myself like hurrying through dinner. Well, I know. I was hurrying I, through track practice and I had know, nothing to come home like, for. Boo. <laughs> I guess I can let this simmer a few more minutes because there's <laughs> not another Bates to watch. Yeah, boo. So, anyway. We hope that if any of our listeners have declared a quit, that you come back. Come back. Not just to us, but to the show. Yeah. It's, step, step it's so worth it. Step back and look at it as a whole. And it's come a good back. show. What other shows been this entertaining this No season? doubt. You know? Sounds like Game of Thrones, but I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we get started? The recap? Yeah. All right. So we open at night outside the Bates house, and there are lots of police cars and a couple of ambulances. A couple of EMTs put Norman in the back of an ambulance. He looks out the window and looks at the house, and then a memory of him and Norma when he is really young flashes. Norma tells young Norman he is so fast, and young Norman says, I don't like it when you run away. And Norma says, ah, it's just a game. You, you know I'd never leave you. You know it's just a game, right? 
Young Norman says, Promise, Mother, you'll never leave me alone? She says, I promise, Norman. Then the memory ends and the ambulance leaves, and Romero is standing on the porch watching it leave. The camera slowly pans around to Romero's face. And he is broken. Yeah. So sad. I don't like seeing Romero in this episode. I know. Then we have the opening sequence. So, with this one, this sequence here, they're obviously trying to show that there were seeds planted early on, that Norma was making promises she'd never leave. Right. And he takes it kind of, were to show that, you know, he takes it very seriously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think that means that he was very clingy as a child in that way, kind of always asking her, always bringing stuff like this up. Yeah, you kind of get the idea of that, because he seemed worried, you know. Yeah, well, he's been living with an abusive father, so that's a big deal. Plus, he's very young when those other flashbacks that we've had this season, so they've been through a lot. Yeah, I mean, he looks like he's maybe five or so in this flashback, mm-hmm. and I don't know, he says, I don't like it when you run away, you know. He could just be talking about running away when they're playing hide and seek. Right, like like how little kids just don't have like the... If I don't see you, you're not there, or... Yeah, that, that goes away before a year old. Maybe not with Norman, though. <laughs> That's true. Developmentally. You know, developmentally, that might be something that never went away with him, you know? That's possible. Interesting. Well, he was like that in the Norma Louise episode, you know? Yeah. You oh, yeah. left. You know, you took a suitcase and you left. And in his mind, she was gone forever. Well, he had seen her do that before, I guess. Yeah, but presumably with him, you know, in tow. Yes, of course. I just mean, you know, that scene with him and Dylan when Norman was laying in the bed saying, that's what she does. She she leaves and she doesn't look back and she doesn't go back. Right. Yeah. I don't know. No, I think I think they're just trying to tell us that, you know, from a very, very early age, he was just terrified of her not being there. Yeah. And we get her promising that she'll never leave him alone. Which, if it's not Norman Bates, I think that's a pretty typical feeling that kids have about their mothers. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, I've babysat Scout before when, <laughs> yeah. you know, it starts to be a little bit later than she thinks you're going to be. And she starts getting worried, you know, and she's like, have you heard from my mom and dad? Or are they, you know, I was like, honey, they're, they're coming, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're not gone forever. <laughs> yeah, Scout's a little, she's more than average <clears throat> anxious. About things like that. But I was too as a kid. 
I spent many hours worrying that my mom was five minutes late, so she had died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of typical. I yeah. Well, I remember Amy talking to Mama Burn, our sister, and sounds like she did that too. Yeah, anyway, yeah, pretty typical stuff, but you know it's not typical with Norman. It probably wasn't at this point, and he still has memories of it, and obviously he's still thinking in his... It, it just ties in. It ties in because theme of this episode. <laughs> he's remembering her promising him, "I'll never leave you." So, so he's like, "Okay." He's like, "Okay, you know, you promised." Done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. I had that reassurance when I was five, so she's coming. <laughs> <laughs> she is never leaving. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then next we see Romero and a detective inside the house. She's asking him questions. He tells her he was at the house when he was at his house when this happened, and he and Norma were married two weeks. She hands him the note from Norma and asks if he has seen it. He reads the note and picks up the ring, and the detective asks if he knew Norma was leaving him. He says she wasn't going to leave him. The detective says that something was going on because this is clearly an attempted murder suicide. He tells her the ring is his mother's and he'd like to keep it. She says it is evidence. He says the note is evidence, not the ring. And he tells her she should be questioning Norma's son, Norman Bates. Oh, um, this was hard to watch and sad and mm. it Watching him read that letter was really sad. It was. It It makes me really curious if Norman had not killed her, what would have happened the next day or the next week. Or just that night when he came back to see her and if he had caught her alone in her bedroom or something and they were able to talk with Norman sleeping. You know, best case scenario, Norman has no idea he's come by. Right. Norma had yelled at him. <laughs> well. What would have happened if he had come and apologized and talked it out with her? I think it would have taken a few days. I don't think she would have forgiven Romero that night. You know, she mm-hmm. was she was pretty mad and she had she had a reason to be mad you know yeah in her eyes you know he was going behind her back and wanting to commit her son which i mean he kind of was you know yeah and for her own good you know he he took seasons trying to get her to trust him and right in her eyes that broke the trust yeah i mean i would like to think that let her have a cool down period. Uh-huh. Let her have a few days to, you know, because there was that scene last season when they had the scene on the porch when he's like, you know, for once in your life, don't lie to me, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and she still lies to him and says that she's the one that killed her husband. And then you see her just sitting on her bed in the dark. 
and you know she's thinking about it like uh, I just messed that up you know yeah so she had also I mean if things had gone differently spent the night bawling her eyes out about him right right so she had softened I don't know what right I think Norman knows that she's the type of woman or type of person who just flies off the handle Mm -hmm. and then starts thinking about it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting question. I think there would have eventually been... I think they could have eventually talked it out. I think it would have taken a few days, though. Yeah, I agree. I just... Do you think he... Would have... Was coming by just to check on her to make sure she was okay and safe and then was going to just go? Or maybe try and talk it out and it just was too soon? I I think a little of both. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he really was worried about her. And he just couldn't help himself. And wanted just to make sure. He may have just had that, maybe like a cop sixth sense. That sixth sense, you know, go check on her. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you might regret it. Mm-hmm. And if she doesn't want to talk to you, fine. But at least you know she's alive type thing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of think... just had a bad feeling at home. Right, right. Well, you just, you know... Everyone just gets that bad feeling. Like, ooh, we left that kind of bad, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I like to think he's got some pretty good copping instincts. Yeah, I don't think he went over there with the intent that they're going to talk it out that night and everything's going to be fine. Yeah, I saw it more as just... I, I think... felt right from the start that he had just had a bad feeling and wanted to make sure she was okay. Just want to make sure she was okay. If she wanted to talk, cool. If not fine at least he checked on her yeah and uh i just it just brings it up when he reads that note and he's you know when the lady's like did you know she was leaving you and he's like she wasn't going to leave me that just brings up all those questions to me because i believe that to be true also i do too i do too I he knows that, yeah. He can read between the lines of that letter, you know. Yeah. She's she's a volatile woman. She's she makes rash decisions, you know. Like, Absolutely. And I don't think know there's a lot of people that know that better than Romero. <laughs> right. You know. When Norman talks to the detective up in his mother's room and he says they didn't have a relationship prior, that's a bunch of bullcrap. Right. They may not have been romantically involved, but they had a relationship last season. Right. They've had a relationship since season one. You know, not this kind of relationship, but he's gotten to know her pretty well. Yeah, it just, it's funny how, I mean, Norman's lying through his teeth quite a bit through that, but it's just funny how 
inconsequential and it's like a just a little nothing to him. You know, when the detective asks about it, yeah. it seems like he's being honest. He's like, he's nothing. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't have any sort of relationship before. Yeah, it's almost like he kind of believes that. Well, and I, I just think we've all known people like Norma who just say things in the heat of the moment. Yeah. And you just let them cool down. Because that's, they're just like reactionary people. Yeah, yeah. They just, they react before they think. And I think that's what is Romero is thinking is happening here. That she just, you know reacting, maybe being a little bit of a drama queen, like I'll always love you, here's your ring back, I'm sorry, you know yeah oh, if they would have had a relationship, if they were able to have had one for years, I bet she would have thrown that ring off and threw it at him once a month (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes, (laughs) exactly That's the normal we know. (laughs) That's the normal we know and love. (laughs) Indeed. All right, so next we see Norman at the hospital. A doctor comes in and tells him he is being released to go home. The doctor asks if there is anyone they can call for him, and he asked about what, and she tells him to come pick him up. And she tells him he lost his mother and asked if he understands that. He doesn't say anything and the doctor tells him carbon monoxide poisoning can affect memory. She tells him this must be hard and grieving is a complicated process and she hands him some pamphlets and tells him they will guide him through it and she leaves. Worst bedside manner ever. Good lord. (laughs) Your mom died. Here's some pamphlets. Bye. Diesel helped. Oh, yeah, you probably don't understand because carbon monoxide can affect memory. Well, this is going to be hard and green well, and complicated. Guess what? Your mom died. Here's the pamphlets. <laughs> All right. Can we call you a taxi? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so did they call Romero? They must have. Did they? Oh, I don't think so. I think he got done with the talking to the detectives and making sure, you know, everything was being done at the house and he went to the hospital. I think he wanted to go get Norman before anyone else could. Yeah, I do too. I'm just wondering what the hospital had in mind because they don't usually release someone without having someone there to pick them up. But maybe. Mm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they did. I didn't know that. I... Yeah, I think it depends on what kind of procedure you had done or what's been going on. But if you've had any sort of like meds in the past little while that can affect you, they absolutely will not let you drive, and you have to have someone come pick you up, and they have to sign a little release. That's been my experience. I'm guessing the only thing he had given to him was like oxygen. Yeah, maybe. You know. I don't know. 
just, it's very strange. I just don't know what they do in that situation. Someone lost their mom, he's 18, and it's kind of like, well, find your way home. You gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) Get out. (laughs) Maybe they did. No, but Um, I agree. I think it looked like he just happened upon, because he just kind of like, I'll take that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, so... Yeah, because Romero might think that, you know, Dylan's still in town or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I think Romero just... I don't know. Maybe they did call him. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Um, But it cuts to an orderly pushing Norman in a wheelchair. The orderly stops at the desk and says she is checking out Norman Bates. And Romero walks up and says, I'll take him. Norman tells him he doesn't want him to drive him home. Romero says, it's okay, and starts pushing Norman's (laughs) wheelchair. Romero tells Norman, you think I'm putting up with any of your crap? You think again. Norman says, my mother would would just be touched at how you're handling her son, who she loved more than anything on this earth. (laughs) Romero says, oh yeah? That wasn't a suicide. We both know that. Norman turns around and looks at Romero and says, I tried to warn you. I tried to warn both of you it was never going to work. You pushed her too far, and you broke her. Now, if she is gone, it is your fault. So he says, now, if she is gone, it is your fault. I True. Just, you know, I really think Norman thinks she's faking it. I think he honestly, truly thinks that she's faking this. And it's like she just left somewhere? Mm-hmm. Or is, you know, pretending to be a dead body, pretending to be in a coffin, you know. Yeah. I think in his mind, that's a really good plan. Like, okay, yeah, fake your death, you know. Mm -hmm. I I won't get you embalmed, you know. And I don't know. Um, Yeah, so Norman says, now, if, if she's gone, it's your fault. Romero says, that's not true, and Norman says, it is true. And he jumps out of the wheelchair and says, I don't I don't want you anywhere near me. I don't want you at the house, and I don't want you near her at the funeral home or at the funeral. I don't want to ever see you again. Romero grabs him and pushes him against the wall and holds him by the throat and says, go on, go on, cut me out of everything. I don't care now. She's gone, so what does it matter? Norman says, what are you going to do, kill me in the hallway? And Romero says, no, I'm going to prove you did it, you piece of shit. And Romero walks away. Batman moment number one. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yeah, and I like, I don't know, I just kind of like how he's like being all smug and pushing him out of the funeral and being in the home. And Romero's just like, what? I don't care if she's gone. <laughs> I don't want to be in that house. She's not in it, you know? I know. It's like, the only thing I care about is proving that you did it. Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so, for Mara leaves, how did Norman get home? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> There's nothing sadder than having to take a taxi home from the hospital. <laughs> yeah, no, that's depressing. You have no one to call. No one to call. But 
He's the beginnings of his isolation and solitary, self-imposed solitary confinement. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of how his life needs to be now for it to work. Um, Next we see Norman walk into the Bates house. It's dark. He looks around and calls out, Mother? Cuts to him, sitting alone on the kitchen table, eating some soup. He looks at where Norma usually sits, and he had set a place for her. Then we see him go upstairs and into Norma's room. He takes off his shoes and lies down and hugs the pillow and says, I'll be patient, Mother. Yeah, um... This was interesting, that he made a place and got her bowl out and everything, but didn't pour the soup. Yeah. And his facial expressions when she doesn't show up for dinner is very little lost boy confusion and yeah because I I think he was first the first surprise that she didn't show up yet that she's taking a little while right right I think he's full on expecting her to walk in the door any second now or already be home and be like, we did it, you know? Yeah, I bet I bet Norman walked home. Oh, yeah, probably. But, yeah, he, you know, set a place for her. Probably didn't pour the soup because he wanted, he was probably keeping it warm on the stove. Yeah. So. And... Yeah, I think he was full on expecting her to show up any second now. He was expecting her to already be home because as soon as he gets home, he's like, "Mother," you know. Yeah. So. So he's like, "Fine, I'll make dinner. I'll make dinner. You know, I'll set you a place. So when you quit pretending you're dead." Then he decides he. It's kind of like he goes up to her room and lays down, and it's like, well, I'll be patient. I guess it'll take longer than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Then we see Romero walk into the morgue, and there are two medical examiners in there with uh, not Norma's body on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Glad about that. He tells them he needs to see Norma Bates. The female medical examiner says she's sorry for his loss and asks what drawer they, and he asks what drawer they put her in. She tells him it's not a good idea for him to be in there. Romero walks over to the wall of body drawers and the male Emmy tells, tells him he shouldn't be there. And Romero yells, "I'm her husband. Where the hell is she?" And finds the drawer with her name on it and opens it, and slides her body out and pulls the sheet off her head. He cries and takes her hand and puts the ring back on her finger, and then he kisses her and says, I love you. I always will, whether you're here or not, okay? Then he puts the sheet back over her head and slides her back in and closes the door and leaves. Such a sad scene. Yeah, that one will never not make me cry ever, ever, ever. Yeah. I love it. It's so sad. It's so raw and sad. Oh, so raw. Just so... And you just put yourself in his shoes, you know? I mean, 
they had such a bad falling out, and now she's dead. And he's most likely blaming himself quite a bit. Right. Blaming you know, Norman. He knows, he knows in his heart that Norman did this. Yeah, it's so tragic that he yet, was close to stopping it. He tried. Yeah, he was so close. And everyone seems to be just, you know, chalking it up as a suicide. And just his, you know, I'll love you whether you're here or not. Ugh. Oh, it's so sad. It is. It's just sad. It. And uh, for a grieving husband, not just a husband, but he loved her so much. He mm-hmm. has been but crazy in love with her for a long time now, and the gesture of putting the ring back, just pure grief, and that's, you know, where your mind would go, and right, you can do weird things when you're suffering from pure grief, and I can just see that meaning a lot to him, and I don't care what other people think about it. It's beautiful. It was a beautiful gesture, and it was heartbreaking, and so damn sweet. It it is, and you know, it's it's also him saying, because he knows that Norman killed her. He knows, right? And so it's also him saying, you know, th- this person that you chose over me killed you. Uh-huh. I love you. I would, you know, here's a token of my love that I gave you, you know? Yeah, you had such horrible, wrong things in your life, and that ring meant something to you. Right. And you selflessly gave it back to me, but it's yours. And... But it's yours, because you got you you got the shaft. You, you chose wrong. You know, you chose your son, yeah. and... It was a, it was the wrong decision. It was the wrong decision, but you know, here I am, like trying to make it right again, or trying to redeem you, or I don't know. It, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's so sweet. It's like him giving her a second chance. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because she did choose the wrong person. You know? Romero wouldn't have killed her. (laughs) You know? Right, and we've been, you know, having a little debate. I had to bow out of the debate, and I've forgotten to go back to it. But on our page after we talked about it, and, you know, the, the debate between if he was right to have done that or not, or what Norma would think about it, what Norma would think of Norman. You know, I put out the question, what if Norma had been able to be resuscitated and knew without a doubt that Norman had started the furnace to kill her and him? Mm-hmm. What um, what would the outcome have been at that point. And I get why some people 
believe that she would have made excuses for Norman and eventually shushed it. Sure. But I think it would have been enough that night to get him back into Pineview. And I think getting Norman away again... Well, it was enough to get him into Pineview when he attempted to kill her that night. Yeah. So why wouldn't a second attempt not get him back into Pineview, you know? Agreed. I mean, and I totally understand that if Norman's around and manipulating, that she is going to forgive and mama bear him and make excuses for him and shush it. But, boy, you think back on when Norman was in Pineview and how much she wanted him to stay in there, and especially the day he decides he's getting out. Right. And how... She was reluctant about it. She was even reluctant after... I mean... She was reluctant about it to Dylan, to Dr. Edwards, to Romero, to herself. Yeah, and it's different, though, when you stand face-to-face with that child. Your child. I mean, what would I have done if if Scout was scary (laughs) and then begged me to come home and cried and... Right. Manipulated me. You know, I can totally see that. But if you don't allow that to, if, if it, if you, I'm thinking if he's caught and he had attempted to kill her, he'd be put away at least for some years. I don't, do you think? I would think so. I, I guess I don't exactly know. I mean, he could go to trial for attempted murder. I don't know how much Norma has to be involved to, like, persecute him, because I don't see that happening very much. Right. I just don't know. I don't know. But I can see... I can see him getting put away again and her jumping back onto the Romero train quite easily at that point. I don't know down the road where she can start doing her shush, but two weeks of Norman being in Pineview, she relaxed to a point with Romero where she just felt like, man, this is like a movie. (laughs) Life is so great. Right. Long term, I don't know. But I think... I just, I don't think it would have been like the act situation. I think it would have been worse. I think she would have been terribly frightened of Norman and would have been okay with sending him back there. I think she would have, you know, because... And now she has the proof. And then, you know, all the stuff she was mad at Romero before, what can she say? All that proof of what frightened him was there now. Right. You really can't deny, Norma. <laughs> well, the proof is in the first time he got sent to Pineview, you know. That was his right. first attempted murder-suicide, you know. Right. And she was okay with, you know, take him. It was hard for her and she was sad about it, but... Sure, how could it not be? Right. You know? Oh, how could it not? Yeah. How could it not be? That's your kid, you know. Not just but, your kid too, it's Norman. Right, right. 
He's the sweetest boy that ever lived. <laughs> anyway, yeah. just alternate universes. There's it really, just so yeah. many things, and I think about them a lot. Just how it would have happened in an alternate universe if little things were different. It it would be it'd be really interesting to think about if she did get revived and knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that Norman tried to kill her what would be her mindset, you know? Mm-hmm. She's a hard woman to predict, but... She is. <laughs> given what we know. I think it'd play out a little like this last one did, but I think it would have been longer, and I think with the proof of holding him, and plus getting the law involved with an actual attempted murder-suicide, right. the factors would be a little different. Right, right, where, yeah... I mean, yeah, where she did almost die and had to be resuscitated. That's a huge difference right there. Yep. Yeah, no, it's interesting to think about. It's, it's not what happened, though. No. <laughs> We're left with this universe. <laughs> We're gonna... <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, Um... So next we see the outside of the Bates house and the sun is coming up. Norman is in the bathroom watching his face. He dries his face and looks in the mirror and then he says, What do we have to do, mother? Then he opens the medicine cabinet and pulls out a bottle of pills and dumps the pills in the toilet. Then he grabs all the other bottles of pills and dumps them out in the toilet. Then the phone rings and he says, Mother? (laughs) (laughs) That was fast. Were you already in Oahu? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) What's the plan? (laughs) (laughs) He ran down the stairs and answers the phone, and the person calling asks if Alex Romero is available, and Norman says he doesn't live there anymore. Then the person asks if this is the home of Norman Bates, and Norman says yes, but she is not there, and he says he is her son Norman, and he asks who is calling. The man on the phone says he is Justin Wilcock of the funeral home of Wilcock and Sons and says he is sorry for his loss. Mr. Wilcock tells Norman they are delivering her body to the funeral home later that day and asks if Norman could stop by to discuss funeral arrangements. Norman says, sure, why not? I can come by later this morning. And see, that right there, his little sure, why not? Mm-hmm. It's just another indication to me that he still thinks that she's alive and in his mind he's going oh okay so she's gonna go to the funeral you know <laughs> like sure why not yeah <laughs> i'll go along with this i can go along with this plan you know and the person that calls he says that she's not here right now you know right right um mr wilcock tells him to bring the outfit he would like them to put her in Norman doesn't say anything, and Mr. Wilcox says, Are you there, Norman? Norman says yes. Then Mr. Wilcox asks him if Sheriff Romero, his stepfather, will be join- joining them, and Norman says he will not. He was only married for her to her for two weeks, so he will be planning the funeral. Mr. Wilcox says, Okay, and Norman thanks him and hangs up. Norman looks around and sees a huge TV Romero bot, Cuts to the outside, and Norman is carrying the TV out of the house and down the outside stairs. 
He gets about halfway down the stairs and stumbles and drops the TV. Then he starts kicking it. While he is kicking it, the while he is kicking the TV, the detective that Romero had been talking to pulls up. She stares at him, and he says he dropped it. The TV was broken. He was taking it to the dumpster. She asks if he is Norman Bates, and he says yes, and she says she is Detective Chambers from the state police. She says she would like to talk to him. Cuts to Norman and Detective Chambers walking into Norma's bedroom. He is telling her that Norma was falling asleep, and he came in to say goodnight and sat down on her bed and wound up falling asleep too. And the next thing he remembers is being in the ambulance. The detective asks if Norman recalls her state of mind that night, and Norma says she was very upset. She was leaving Alex Romero. She asks what had happened. Norman says he doesn't know much about their relationship. He had been in Pineview the last two weeks, and they got married while he was there. She says they must have had a relationship before that. Norman says no. He says he loved his mother more than anything in the world, but she did not have stellar taste in men. They have all turned out to be nightmares, manipulative, and abusive. He says he doesn't know what was going on with Alex Romero, but he never trusted him. She asks why, and Norman tells her, I'm sure you've heard things around town. You know how he dealt with the drug trade, and I don't need to tell you. I just don't think he was a good man. I think he had always had a thing for my mother, and he married her so she would lock me up in Pineview, and he would have her all to himself. And then when I was released, he still tried to run, turn her against me, saying I was unstable, and he just wanted me out of the way, but thankfully she knew it, and that's why she left him. Then he tells the detective he needs to pick out something for her to wear, and he walks over to her closet and opens the door and says, I never imagined I would be standing here doing this. He pulls a blue dress out of the closet and asks Detective Chambers if she thinks it will look good. She says she had the most beautiful blue eyes that just pop. Detective Chambers says she thinks it's lovely and thanks Norman for talking to her, and she says she can see herself out. She leaves, and Norman lays the dress down on the bed and stares at it. You don't match the burial dress with the eyes. The eyes. <laughs> the eyes are generally closed. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> That's it's a good thing. Man, that image of Norman walking outside with that TV just was so great. <laughs> Oh, I love that. And, you know, they make those TVs super light these days. <laughs> I just thought, man, Norman, you carry your mother all the way up those stairs. <laughs> Can't carry that TV. Well, it was a 60-inch. Those are, those are big and awkward. And Man, Freddie is the one that did that stumble down the stairs. Yeah. That... That was impressive. It was. Definitely. But yeah, I I don't know. I think the detective does... I think she is... I think her ears perked up when he said he had been at Pineview. Yeah. um, She also witnesses him... I I found it strange the last time I just watched it. Um, She watches him have a fit and... Which I think... To someone that just lost their mother, um, 
you know, anger is a part of grief. Mm-hmm. So it's probably not super weird to see that, but I don't think it was the way he acted after. He's like, oh, it was broken, you know, and he just easily slips into this obvious lie. Right. Totally ignoring the fit he had just, she had just witnessed the, you know, the temper tantrum on the TV, which I think normally you would be like, I don't know what just got into me. I'm, I'm upset, you know. <laughs> Instead, he's like, "Oh, it was broken." Um, and just straightening up his shirt and tucking it back in. And oh yeah, oh I, I think that was the first thing that might have perked her ears up. I think so too, because yeah, if that was a little, she saw how easily he lied about that. It just it got me thinking this last time, thinking, well, he convincingly just lied in front of my face, and I saw that he was right. And so now he's kind of pulling the same thing. I'm really, I'm on the train now that she's going to be the detective that brings him down at the end. I mean, I, I really in the think movie, he, he is. kills yeah. her. He'd kill her. Right. Which I think he will. Yeah. You know. I think I said that last time. That she's going to look into it. She's going to figure out what happened. And then get killed. And yeah, I I think I think she's gonna see you know taxidermy Norma. That part could also go to Alex though. I think it will. A dog cat while we were driving. That I think that's how Alex is gonna go down. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he's gonna he, see it. He still has a key to the house. I think Alex is gonna sneak into the house. While it, while Norman's away, I think he's gonna find taxidermic Norma. Norman's gonna come home and walk in on him and kill him. Yeah, I think I said that in our last podcast. And it's gonna be awful. It's a horrible yeah, thought of him seeing yeah. that. I just am dying already. <laughs> oh, did you say that? Okay. Yeah. So we both had that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't think we've seen the last of this detective, so anyone who's upset that they haven't, like, they didn't do too much detective work on this, I think that's going to happen next season. Yeah, my uh, my opinion, this is just, I have nothing to base it off of. What happens with Norman and his mother in that house with her corpse is 10 years at least that went on for that long, I think. Um, from her death to the discovery in Marion Crane. Yeah, I would say 10 years, give or take. Remember the bed? Yeah. Her, the indention of the her indention. body in her bed is yeah, really gross. that's right, that's right. <laughs> it's been a long time, and I'm guessing it won't be for this. I don't think they'll do a huge time jump. I don't think so either. I think there'll be a point where there's a somewhat of a time jump, because it can't all happen in two weeks or something. I think it'll, it has to be longer than that. Right. But I'm not sure how long. I bet it's inside of a year. That's my Yes, I'm going to say inside of a year. Well, the time jump could be because 
Harold did point out on our Facebook group that Martha Stewart actually went to prison for lying to a Fed. Right. And she did six months, I think. So maybe that'll be the time jump. Maybe Romero will sit in jail for six months for that. Ugh, I hate that. You know? But we won't see it. It'll happen. Yeah. And, you know, season five, episode one is six months later. Him getting out of jail and still being like, we need to solve this mystery. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which I like that idea, but I like I like seeing Norman's, I mean, grizzly and horrible as this may make me sound, I want to see him decide he needs to taxiderm her, and I want to see the little scenes of him down in the basement, actually. I don't need, I don't need to see a lot of detail. I don't need graphic detail. I don't need graphic. I want to see it, too. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't need it to be graphic, but I want to see all that. Maybe it'll just be a little montage. Yeah, so maybe the first half hour of season one, or season five, episode one, it's him doing that, and then there's the six. Oh months. yeah, six months later, so, or one yeah. year later, even. Yeah. That would be cool. I'd be down for that. So Nor, so Romero's done his time. Yeah, I guess uh, last podcast we kept all the psycho stuff in the uh, spoilers section, but you know what? <laughs> it, we're not gonna hide that information. I mean, obviously, at this point, we're not, but I guess we're not keeping all spoilers out about what's happening next season. Sorry for anyone that didn't want to know that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's hardly a spoiler. Yeah, no, you're right. I guess maybe the spoiler would be that we actually get Marion Crane, but... Do you want me to cut that out? <laughs> cut that out. Harold's okay. not going to want to know that. Oh, Harold knows. Oh, he does? Okay. Yeah, if Harold already knows, then. Okay, he's the only one I can because <laughs> I know he doesn't like spoilers. <laughs> okay. I guess that's that scene. Or did this one? Let's see. Um, that dress. Just got to address it one more time. So it was oh. horrible. I watched it. If you don't listen to the feedback episodes, we described it as that must have been Grandma Summer's dress. Yeah, we couldn't <laughs> handle that Norma picked that out ever. Unless it was a bridesmaid dress. <laughs> if you don't know who Grandma Summer's is, like Catherine asked me, it's Keith Summer's grandma. Keith Summer's is the guy who like raped Norma in yeah, he's... season one, episode one. The family that owned the house before? Yes, and uh, <laughs> that house had been in their family. His grandfather built it or something, so. Right. It was right. his grandmother's house. So, that. That was her dress. That was her dress. <laughs> That's she, all we that was. <laughs> she wore that to one of her grandchildren's wedding or something. Yes. <laughs> she probably looked lovely. Sure, that dress would look lovely, like on a 60 or 70 year old, but totally. not not a 38 to 42 year old. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um. Alright, so, yeah, he 
Is that telltale to you that he picked out a dress that makes her eyes pop? <laughs> yes. That wasn't a mistake or a coincidence. <laughs> it. That was that he fully expected her eyes in it, you know? Well, and it is just to to really think about that dress. It is really weird that that's the dress he picked. And it is. not not one of her cute summer dresses. Not not the one that he had hid under his bed. I I full on expected him to like run to his room and grab this wadded up blue and white dress, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really weird that he picked this matronly just well someone sometimes not something that Norma would have worn. No, on. and sometimes he dresses head Norma up in matronly clothes. In matronly clothes. I yes, he does. Sometimes she's sexy, but sometimes she's very matronly. Overly and, so. And that is that is just something I don't quite get yet. Why he does that. Well, it it um ties in a little bit with her berating him and keeping him from other women. Yeah, I guess so. You know, that's not other women. It's women in general. Yeah. I I don't believe in Psycho that there was anything um, sexual between them. No. But it's just odd, because Norma, for the most part, dresses really cute. She just, she's got cute little Laura Petri outfits and stuff. Yeah, well, maybe... And this dress just seems so... I don't know. Maybe he thought if he put her in it, she'd be like... She'd have to wake up and be like, get this thing off me! (laughs) (laughs) That would get her up. (laughs) I had to wear this to my cousin Thelma's wedding! Well, next we see Norman at the funeral home looking at a bunch of coffins. A young man comes down the stairs and tells Norman his dad is ready to see him. He says he is the son of Wilcox and son. Because Norman's like, your dad? (laughs) I guess he probably just thought that guy must have been who he talked to on the phone. (laughs) Cuts to Norman sitting at the table with the two Wilcox. Norman is looking at a book and mentions a certain chapel is very pretty and says he feel like it. The older Wilcox says, who? Who? And Norman tells him his mother, and then he says, oh, well, she would have liked it. Now here, I didn't think it'd be that weird for someone to be like, I think someone grieving someone close to them and discussing funeral arrangements might easily, I don't know, I'm not a funeral director, so I don't hear it a lot, but I could see them talking about them like they're still here. And I don't think it'd be that weird to a funeral director to be like, who? I agree. I, I thought it was kind of weird that he said who. I think more common... I thought common, it was pretty obvious that he was talking about her. Yeah, and I think more commonly people would like... I think she would have liked that. But I also think that it would be very common for it to slip. Just, I think she'd like that. Yeah, I could I agree. see that very easily. So that was weird. Well, I agree, because you're talking about a person who... 
whoever they're going to the funeral home, this person has died in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So they're having a hard time, like, talking about them in the past tense. Right. So when Norman says, I think she'll like it, I thought it was weird that the older Wilcock was like, who? You know, well, who do you think he's talking about? (laughs) (laughs) just that can't be uncommon at all. No, it can't be, and that's just another way, in my mind, I think they put that in there on purpose, because they just, they want to remind us that he is still thinking of her right. as a life. It's like, well, I, I gotta just, plan this funeral for her, she's... Right, she's she'll like this there. chapel, you know. Yeah. And then he just kind of corrects himself for their sake, almost. Exactly. Like he's Yeah, it. Norman's Norman's like, Oh well she would have liked it. You know, he does that for them. Yeah. Like he's in the know. Well she's alive. You know. <clears throat> yeah. But I guess I'll say to you, Okay, she would have liked it, you know. Yeah, and to that the older Wilcox says he believes they never truly lose the ones they love and Norman kinda shrugs and says, Neither do I <laughs> I mean it literally. (laughs) (laughs) The older Wilcott says, I'm sure she will be seeing it. Norman says, oh, well, yes, she might be. So, (laughs) older Wilcox is kind of skirting around the heaven kind of thing, and Norman's like, well, she might get there for that at time. I'm not sure. I'm being patient, like I said. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. She might be waiting for me in the parking lot. <laughs> you know? like, oh, we're going to Oahu. <laughs> so then the older Wilcox asks if Norman would like an open casket service and if he would like the body embalmed. Norman says he hadn't thought about it. He asks Norman if he understands what embalming is, and Norman says he does taxidermy. It chills. Norman explains they replace the bodily fluids with chemical compounds, and he says he does not want to do that to Norma. He says it seems like a lot. Which, like, <laughs> um, again, I really yeah. think he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that, no. She's and, alive. Uh, Don't. And... So I had some questions about this the first time I watched it, about the whole embalming thing. I didn't know that that was a choice. Yeah, I did. Um, I They are very realistic in the fact that they did not have an open casket with her not being embalmed. Because that would be illegal? Is it illegal? Yeah, yeah, because... Some of you may not know this, but mine and Emily's, our oldest brother, Ben... Um, he has a degree in mortuary science. He he, he was a mortician. And yeah, he hasn't done it for him, years, but he did. He did for a long time. And I asked him, because I was like, I thought they had to be embalmed, you know? If they weren't cremated, I thought embalming was the only option. And our brother answered me with, no, if... If there's not going to, the only reason they have to be embalmed, if there's going to be a public viewing or if they're going to be crossing state lines. 
So if there's no public viewing and it's a closed casket and they're just going to be buried right there, they do they do not need to be involved. Mm-hmm. Which hmm, that was news to me. I just happened to have a big uh, gone to a class about it, <laughs> so I learned all these rules. And but yeah, but I know I knew I knew green. Green burials were a thing and perfectly acceptable way to do things. So I knew all about that a while ago. But um, anyway, they so they were. I was glad knowing all so, that that they were realistic and did not. Yeah, this do is open realistic. Casket. That you know, as long as it's not an open casket and they're not crossing state lines, it's perfectly acceptable to not embalm them. So there we go. And uh, so then Norman asks if they prepare the body on site, and the older Wilcott says that yes, his daughter Sable does it, and she just changed career paths and joined the family business. And the younger Wilcox is rolling his eyes. Yes, he is. <laughs> he says they need to change the sign to Wilcox and family, and they all chuckle. The older Wilcox says Sable is the most gifted prep artist he has ever worked with, and she will make his mother look beautiful. Norman asks if he can see his mother, and the older Wilcox says they normally don't allow the public in the prep room. It could be upsetting. Norman says he understands, but he will not get upset. Um, yeah, this was we touched on this before, how funny it is, and how perfectly well-rounded these just side characters were. Oh, yes. And I love it. You can just read that she was like this prodigal daughter that came back and she's like so gifted and the the son that you know that he has never left the side and he's his whole life is planned you know he's the David if you've seen Six Feet Under you know he's the David he's the David Fisher <laughs> yeah he's, <laughs> he's been there the whole time it's been his career he's gonna inherit the business yeah and sister was probably a screw up you know had some crazy years there and then she just waltzes back, decides to come back, and she's, like, so good. And she made Norma look beautiful. Oh, right? my gosh. I mean, she looked gorgeous. Yeah. Just funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could see, like, the Edgar Wilcock, like, kind of roll his eyes. And, <laughs> and the dad's, like, going off about her. She's the most so talented I've ever seen. He's going to change the sides. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Just a great little detail. Yep. And she's goth, and that just says so much, too. It's so funny. <laughs> she plays the organ. <laughs> <laughs> and so next we see them walking into the prep room. Sable's in there. Her dad says, Norman would like to see his mother, and she says he isn't supposed to be in there, and her dad says, Sable, and she says, fine, and turns around and keeps working on Norma. Norman walks up to Norma and touches her cheek, and he leans down and holds her hand and notices the ring on her finger. He tries to take the ring off her finger and has a hard time, and looks up, and Sable's watching him. He gets the ring off her finger and puts it in his pocket. He leans in and whispers in Norma's ear, Mother, I wish you had just told me the plan. Norman straightens up a bit and looks at Norma and her eyes open and look at him and then close again. He kisses her on the forehead and walks out. So, yep. Her little... 
She gives him a little winky wink. Yeah, he, uh... <laughs> Which is all he needs, you know. Yeah, I think he just stopped short of asking them to let him have a little privacy with her. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that little look that she gave him, that he imagined, mm -hmm. was enough in his mind to be like, all right, so we're still... Yeah. We're still on board. We're, you know... Yeah. Doing you're good. You're faking this. <laughs> Good job, Mom. You made it to the funeral home. <laughs> They're pretty gonna... convinced. <laughs> <laughs> They're convinced. I'm not going to get you involved, so you don't need to worry about all those needles and chemicals. Mm -hmm. You know, I just... I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love seeing this. I really do. I just... It's just so interesting to me. Just this... Watching, because you know when, when all you have is the movie Psycho, how many questions like this did you have, you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like did they even occur to you or did you really have them? I I think some questions occurred to me cuz how could they not, you know? Yeah. Like like what brought Norman to that point and what happened during her whole death? How did, you know? Well, yeah, because killing her gave him the psychotic break. Right. So there was a point where he's like, well, I got to go dig her up. And. Right. And. But, you know, when, when the movie starts, this has all already happened. Yeah. You know. And so I just, I love that we're seeing all this. And that we're seeing what he's seeing and that we're seeing the process. I, I just. I love this so much. <laughs> oh, I love it too. It's so <laughs> you know? interesting. It really is. It just, I just love it because it just, I love him seeing her on, you know, the embalming table. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. They're giving, and, they're giving us a full tour. It's so and, yeah. great. And her giving him that little wink. And you just know that that's just his mind creating that wink. Mm -hmm. And I, oh, I just love it so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Because it just, it's just fascinating to me. Yeah, me too. Because before this show, all you had was, here's this crazy guy who stuffed his mom and is, kills people. Uh -huh. You know, on behalf of, of his mom, but he thinks it's his mom doing it, you know, mm -hmm. and, he, you know, and here we just, we get these details and it's just amazing to me. I just, I think it's great. It's great. It is. And her little wing to him on the table was adorable. It was so cute. <laughs> it was perfect. It was so great. It was almost like an eye roll, like, uh, 
I have to go through this. <laughs> and kind of like a little, you know, don't worry, Norman, you know. It was playful, too. It was. It it was. It was. It's Vera at her best. Just yeah. This split second of I can do so much with just my eyes. Oh, yeah. It was. It was. You know. Wonderful acting. Yes. I just love it. Um. Okay, so next we see Romero walk into a shop. The furnace repairman is there. He walks up to Romero, and Romero asks if he is the one that did the repair job on Norma Bates' furnace, and he said he did. He says the police had spoken with him the day before, and says it's horrible. Romero tells him she was his wife. Romero asks if he explained to her that the old furnace was lethal, and the, re the repairman says he did. Romero asks if her son was in the room when he told her that. He says he doesn't remember. He thinks it was just her. Romero grabs him and picks him up and throws him onto his counter and tells him to try a little harder to remember. The repairman says that Norman came in after he told her. She introduced him, and Romero asks if, Norma, if Norman could have heard him tell Norma about the lethal furnace, and he says it's possible. The repairman says he did everything he could. He warned her. He red-tagged it. He red-tagged it, and it's not his fault. Romero lets go of him and leaves. So yeah, this poor furnace repair guy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> totally gets manhandled by Romero. <laughs> He's like, I did everything I could. Well, could her son have listened to that conversation? I don't know. <laughs> you know. Well, it'd be hard to remember such a detail. Because... It would be totally hard to remember because it's such a non-thing at the time. Right. <laughs> you know? But he does a good job remembering it, pretty much how it was. Yeah. He remembered that he came in right after and that it was possible he was hearing it from the stairs. It's possible. I mean, we're the ones, we're the audience. We saw Norman sit on the stairs and listen, mm -hmm. you know. The repair guy didn't see that. And he's just a repair guy. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, what, you know, what the scene does for us is let us know that Romero's just making sure it was possible. <laughs> That's all the proof he needed, I think. Right. So, again, a little bit of Batman. Yep, little Batman freaked out. I'm gonna manhandle you and tell you know you tell me, tell me what happened. Yep. Uh, next, we see Norman walking up the outside steps of the house. He hears "You Belong to Me" playing, the song Norman and Caleb sang together, and he goes running into the house, but it is empty. Then we hear a dog barking, and Juno comes running down the stairs. Norman sits down on the stairs and tells Juno not to worry. She'll be coming back soon. He can feel it. She just wants him to be strong and patient. He says, You see, she wants the world to think she's dead so they can never hurt her again. But she'll come back to us. I know she will. But until then, we have each other, right? Juno looks at him and Norman gets up and says, All right, come on. I know you're hungry. You know, did he, like, give him some dog food? <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. He got interrupted. Yeah. Norman's cell phone rings and he says hello and it's Dylan. Norman says, 
Mother said you were gone. Dylan says, well, um, I'm gone to her. Well, for now, anyway. I just can't do it anymore. And I doubt she'll ever reach out to me. Norman says, no, maybe not for a while. Dylan says, anyway, I want you to know that I'm here for you, okay? And I got a new number, so you won't be able to reach me at the old one, but you and I can still talk. If you need anything, just let me know, okay? Norman says, yes, well, I appreciate that, Dylan, but I think that is just probably best if we don't talk anymore. Yeah, I think that's just what she needs me to do now. And so perhaps we should just try and remember how it was in all those moments when it was good for us, for all of us, okay? I'm sorry, and I'll miss you, Dylan, but goodbye. And Norman hangs up. So here again, I feel like had Norma whispered to him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think had Norma whispered to him. But I, I just, I think that Norman still thinks she's alive. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, when he says, you know, when Dylan says, I doubt she'll ever reach out to me, and Norman's like, mm, maybe not for a while. <laughs> I think he's just meaning, like, not while she's pretending she's dead. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking of... Norman! Or Dylan! Uh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Because then there's that. (laughs) Because I really thought, man, the first time I watched this, I really thought when Dylan called, I thought he knew she was dead. Yeah, he plays it that way, I think. Because he sounds so somber and like, oh. I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of like we, all of us, the first time we talked to each other after our mom died. Yeah, just kind of a, you know, uh, this like, is unexpected. I don't. Oh, how are you? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. But I think I. Because I do kind of think. But here and there, like we talked about last time, there are little, like, synapses in Norman's brain that he knows she's dead. Yeah. And I think Dylan calling him really caught him off guard. Yeah. And that's why he kind of quickly ends the conversation with... Because he's crying when he's talking to Dylan. He's I don't think crying very much. Yes. I don't think he wants to say this to Dylan, but I think he knows he has to say it. He's like, because I, I kind of think this is one of like his very first, like, huh, you know, his first little realization that maybe she is dead. Maybe she's not faking it. Yeah, or, I mean, it's possible that had Norma's... He just kind of says, yeah, I think that's just what she needs me to do now. So perhaps we should try and remember how it was in all those moments when it was good for us all, okay? It's kind of... Yeah, there's little hints of he knows that he needs to break off with Dylan, whether had Norma's, like, whispering it to him or not. But he knows that things are different now, Mm -hmm. and that... 
I guess it could work that Norma's faking her death, so... You know, Dylan can't be in on that either. He just doesn't know. He's making choices. And it seems to me like Norman... Does Norman even know that there was a falling out with those two? Had Norma had a chance? Or Dylan had a chance to... Oh yeah, he knows, because he witnessed that whole... You know, Norma running down the stairs and telling Dylan, you know, don't you say anything to him. I totally forgot. Okay. And then, you know, he came in the kitchen. He's like, what just happened? You know? Okay. So, yeah, he knows there was a falling out. Duh. Okay. So, this whole scenario (laughs) does play out to our little... (laughs) (laughs) Dylan. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Norman's just going to fake it. Like, Dylan, who knows how long it's going to take for Dylan to know his mom died. You know, if this is where they left it. You know, taking out the Audrey to Cody stuff, I seriously could see it being years. Years. I could totally see. Yes. Taking yep. out the Audrey stuff. If if Dylan lets the Audrey stuff just go, uh-huh. and just goes, you know, f it. I don't care about that anymore. You know, Emma doesn't seem to worry about it, so I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. He could easily live the rest of his life in Seattle. Yeah. Occasionally talk to his brother Norman, and Norman could fake that their mother is still alive. Yeah, I don't believe for a minute he's going to, like, put her on the phone like we were saying. <laughs> but just, yeah, you two are done, you know? Yeah. She, she isn't interested. And... Families do that all the time. Sure. You know, there are lots of families that do that. There are lots of families where there are just certain family members that just don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. They find out about each other through other family members, you know. Yeah. But they had a falling out, and you're still interested, you know. That could totally happen, and that could easily happen in this case, because we've got precedence of it happening, of Norman and Norma moving and not telling Dylan where they moved to. She's done this before. Right. Well, say the timeline we're kind of talking about is true. Six months to a year. That's not very long for Dylan and Emma to just be in Seattle. And then everything goes down. And then he gets a phone call one night that he gets the whole thing explained to him. And he comes out and visits his brother in Pineview and she's He's now his mother permanently, and he and Emma are just absolutely floored and devastated to find out their mother had died and their brother had dug her up. And, right. And at that point, say head mother just, I, it's, I think in Psycho, she gets totally confessional, right? She just, when she's caught, doesn't she just kind of spill everything? All the murders and everything, and where they are, because they pull her out, they pull Marion Crane out of the swamp. 
I don't know. I just I wonder so. if that's when. I wonder yeah. if head head Norma confesses about Emma Dakota, and that's when that all comes up. Just at the end of the series. I don't know. That wouldn't give Dylan a lot of time next season. So it probably won't happen that way, but I could see it. It could it could easily it could happen that way. Happen that way. It could cuz yeah, you could easily go especially if you've had a falling out with a family member. You could easily go 6 months to a year without mm-hmm. you know, talking to them. And you know, he could call Norman on the phone once or twice in an episode in a couple episodes and get the run around, you know. And oh, totally. He and Emma, they may have their own little adventures in Seattle, and that's his plot. You know, it could be separate. Maybe it's just their story when we do see them next season. Well, there's still... There's still the whole Chicken Caleb thing. I, I still don't think that's going away. Oh, Chicken Caleb. And there's yeah. possible uh, complications with Emma's uh, lungs transplant. Yeah. Maybe she starts rejecting them. There's drama. Right. There's possible drama there. There's possible drama. Although, I got the feeling, I don't know, it's very interesting. The chick stuff is interesting. <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, he could... I found it really sweet. I found it every time I watched it, how sweet that he genuinely grew to care for Norma. I think... Mm-hmm. He just... You're right. I think he just felt so bad for what he did to her. Because he just... He loved her. Just whatever time he spent with her, he... Uh, she won him over. She totally won him over. That's one of, you know, Chick says some really beautiful things about Norma in that little scene uh-huh. with Norman. And he got it. He got it about her. You yeah. Know? She was too beautiful for this world, uh-huh. you know. She had horrible things happen, and he, I think he felt guilty for the part he played and the stress he did not intend to put on her. I totally feel that way, too. Yeah. I mean, he tended to stress her out, but he had no idea how stressed out it would get her, I think. Well, yeah, because he didn't know Norma. He didn't know that he could bring that out. (laughs) He didn't know that existed. (laughs) He he thought it was going to be like a, you know, just a little bit of a threat. I'll I'll tell, you know, he had no idea it was going to bring that out in her. And he... It's obvious he feels terrible about that. Mm-hmm. No, I think there's plenty of room for Dylan to be in season five. And still not uh, go down an Emma Dakota Road or. Yep. Or Audrey Dakota Road. I just don't feel like he's going to, at this point, I think they set it up where he's going to survive it. I think he and Emma are going to live, and they're probably going to have a little guilt knowing <laughs> that they walked away at a time where, you know, their mother died, and then her body had to go through all that torment because Norman was sicker than... Mm-hmm. You know, he left a very sick brother with his mom, no matter how mad he was at her. Exactly. But that's what he did. He abandoned 
the sick brother. He did try and get him to put himself into Pineview, but I don't for a minute believe he thought he would. Well, and that could be yet another way that, you know, Carlton and Carrie have said they're not going to... This isn't going to end where Psycho begins, you know. Another thing they can veer is that Norman does have a brother. Uh-huh. You know? And I, I didn't, you know, a season or two ago, I, for the life of me, I couldn't see how... Dylan would survive this, you know. That's what we've always talked about. No one's getting out of this show alive except for Norman. Right. But, but maybe they will. They've they've gone to so much trouble to make a scenario where he possibly could. And they've yep. followed that and now it's perfectly set up where he could get it out alive. Yep. So either they're doing that to set us up for a big surprise death or they're doing it to have at least someone be maybe happy. and if it has to be Dylan and Emma then that's fine with me they're adorable I'm totally fine with that Mm -hmm. totally fine with that but there's just not a lot of it's all so um, everything's so wrapped up all the talk that I hear is all so wrapped up in Norma dying that not a lot of emphasis is played on the fact that they let Dylan get out and they've set him up into a perfect position where he he could survive this show easily at this point. He could. And that's amazing, and there's not enough uh, talk about that to me. Because they pulled off the impossible. They did. They did. I mean... I thought that would have been impossible, but they did it. They did it, and it's believable. It's... 100% believable. Yeah, so... You know... <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still focusing on the fact that Norma died, look at what they did with Dylan. Yeah. Just look at the genius of this show. It's, it's a great plot point. Sorry. It, it really <laughs> is. It really is. It, this season has just proved the show is even more genius than it ever has been to me. Oh, yeah. Totally agreed. Um, so next we see the chapel. Sable is playing the organ, and Norman is the only person <laughs> attending the funeral. <laughs> the elder Wilcock walks up to him and says he is concerned no one else is there yet. And Norman says, oh, there's no other guests. <laughs> <laughs> the elder Wilcock says, there's no guests, just yourself. Norman says yes and asks that they should begin. Norman gets up and walks up to the podium and says, My mother was the most wonderful person who ever lived. She was just beyond beautiful. She was just beautiful beyond words, radiant, half queen and half little girl. <laughs> she. <laughs> Sorry, I love this eulogy so much. <laughs> I know. I love that he had like it written out so he still had time to like alright I guess I should write out a eulogy you'll see him sitting at that kitchen table half queen half little girl (laughs) this eulogy is just old Norman I can't stand it I like want a cross stitch of Norman's eulogy in my home (laughs) like a pillow on your couch with it 
cross-stitched on it. Oh my gosh, I'm doing that for you. Yay, Christmas. <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas, Em. <laughs> yeah, half queen, half little girl. She had innocence to her that illuminated everything she did, everything that she touched, every word that she said. She was like a miracle, and I miss her. I miss, I miss her. Norman is crying and looks over at the coffin and says, I miss her so, so terribly. I just can't believe she left. She was not supposed to leave me. And I know that they say God has a plan, and that we have... And that we have to trust that. We have to trust the plan. Well, it would be nice to know what the hell that plan is. I guess nobody thought. I guess nobody thought about telling me that would be important. I'm just supposed to figure this shit out by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I won't put that part on the pillow <laughs> unless you want it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> The priest stands up and walks over to Norman and asks if he's all right. Norman says he is fine. The Wilcock men are standing at the back of the chapel staring at Norman. <laughs> Norman says, yes, but we must. We must trust God. We must trust his plan. Like children, we must blindly... Just then R Romero walks in. Norman sees him and stops talking and says, excuse me. And I don't know who he says excuse me to. <laughs> Maybe the priest. <laughs> <laughs> and he walks up to Romero and says, you need to leave. Romero stares at him. Norman says, oh, and I have something for you. And he pulls a ring out of his pocket and holds it up to Romero. Romero grabs it and then punches Norman in the face. Norman falls into one of the pews and Romero punches him a few more times. The younger Wilcock tries to pull Romero off of Norman. Romero shoves the younger Wilcock and continues to hit Norman. The older Wilcock yells, Stop it! This is a church! The younger Wilcock tries to pull Romero off of Norman again, and Romero shoves him again. Romero stands there, and Norman sits up. The older Wilcock tells Romero, I think it would be best if you leave. I don't want to have to call the police. Romero walks past him and says, I am the police, dumbass, and he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, this funeral. <laughs> you know, they, without Norma, they managed to <laughs> cause, like, the biggest spectacle Wilcox and family <laughs> have ever seen. <laughs> I know. I just loved it. <laughs> A couple times, the camera, like, panned to them, and they're just, like, standing there, like... What's going on? <laughs> like, in all the years I've done funerals, <laughs> they never taught me how to deal with this. Mortuary <laughs> school. <laughs> you failed me. <laughs> Dealing with the family 101. <laughs> was so amazing every every second of this scene was amazing from the older Wilcock walking up to Norman and being like I'm concerned that no one else is here and Norman's like 
Well, no one else was invited. <laughs> <laughs> no one else is coming. <laughs> Should we start? <laughs> nothing stopping us. <laughs> Who the hell is Norman giving this eulogy to? <laughs> I love how it just starts out so so written down, you know, just Norman thoughts. Yep. And then he gets caught up and it's it's almost like it changes to feeling a little bit like she really is dead for a minute. And, you know, talking about God's plan and and how much she, you know, I miss her so, so, so terribly and I can't believe she left and not supposed to leave me. That all kind of feels like she really died. It's just creeping at the surface again. And then he gets very angry. I love how he yells at the coffin. Yeah, and so to me, it just seems like he's talking to her. Like, he really expects her to be there. Like, like he's yelling at the coffin, like, no one told me the plan. Right, he's like, I can't believe I have to keep guessing. (laughs) Like... Like, he's still trying to, like, he's trying to get her to listen. Like, okay, you're lying there in that coffin alive, Mom. What's the plan? Because now here we are at the funeral. I'm, I, I've been doing the charade, you know? Yeah. I went to the funeral home. I picked out a dress for you. I mean, I, I honestly think that Norman was expecting... In between all these little scenes when he's home, that she was just going to walk in and say, let's go, you know? Yeah, but that doesn't, I don't know. I believe that, but something just doesn't quite sit right with me about it. But that could just be because he's a insane mind and it's hard to figure one of those out, but... I don't know. There just seems to be something there just bubbling at the surface that's... I don't know, because he turns his head and looks at the coffin and just yells, it would be nice Oh well, that's a if I knew the plant, you know? Absolute moment of yelling at her because at she's her, not you know? coming alive yet and stuff, but right. it seems when it's not that, there's just like Something creeping into his mind that his shush his shush gets a little weaker. I don't know. I don't know. It is hard to. They did this so well because it is so hard to decide. You know. Mhm. And yeah, I was surprised. So that really is a church, and they they did talk about it. I just, I couldn't decide the first time I watched it if it was, like, just at the funeral home, and it was, they had a Like a little chapel. That looked like a chapel, but it's a little church. Yeah, I was surprised, because you don't see the priest until the priest is like, are you okay? (laughs) I love how he just stands up, he's like, are you okay? (laughs) And Norman's just like, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) He's not happy. Yeah, I don't know. This show. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, at, at times when he just talks about God's plan and um, 
we must trust God, we must trust his plan, like children, we must blindly, it's like, is he using God as a substitute to Norma as like a code? That's, you know... Because if you substitute mother or something, it is interesting. I mean, we must trust Norma, we must trust her plan. It's I'm following it blindly because like she didn't let me in on it. Well, because, I mean, A, we've never seen the Bates be religious at all before. Right. So, you know, it's it's not like we've got some precedence that they're God-fearing people or yeah. religious people at all. So it's got to be that he's substituting Norma for God. Mm-hmm. And that he's trying to talk in code or something. or Unless he's cloaking. Like, this seems like the most normal thing. That we would have it in a church. And we I would talk about God's plan. Like, just cloaking it to make it look right. like that. But, you don't know. Just interesting words and following so, blindly. That's exactly what he's doing. He's following Norma's plan blindly. Because she didn't look exactly. like Exactly. So even if he's cloaking it, then right there, that that just means that, to me, that he thinks that she's alive. Well, sure, yeah. You know, that she is laying in that coffin hearing him. Yeah, and just because I have some questions about it and I feel like, doubts creep up doesn't mean that I don't think 80% of the time he is picturing her in the coffin listening and thinking she's alive I just think once in a while his brain slips a little bit I just don't know I just see little weird moments that tell me that his shusher is just slips not fully just a little which you would slip if you're not in on the plan. If you're if you're the one that's there to improvise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It, it would slip. Sure. You know, there would be those moments of, you know, <laughs> if there's a... This is going a lot further than I expected. <laughs> this, exactly, exactly, you know. This is going way further than I expected. And you, we didn't sit down and talk about this, you know. (laughs) You're making me, like, improvise all this. Then old Romero walks in and... (laughs) Oh, that was so amazing. Oh, so good. I just love how Norman, like, fumbled for the ring. Like, I've got this ring. It's somewhere in my pocket. Oh, it's totally the... (laughs) The fandom metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Here goes Norman passing the ring off to Romero again. And I I just, you know, the thought that he pulled the ring off, just an insult to Romero. And I love it that Romero just punches him in the face. Because, you know, know, what you said was a great, you know... uh, it was it was great that Romero 
was giving her that back, you know, like almost a I forgive you sort of a thing. It's writing mm-hmm. a wrong that she had done. And here, you know, Norman disrespected it and took it off again and threw, you know, gave it back to him. So it was just like, boom. Yeah. Punch. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It just, I cannot wait for the Romero Norman stuff next season. Yep. Because of this, you know. Yeah, we can't we can't have Romero in jail very long. No, no, that wouldn't be good story. Not good story, and they're not going to do that. They're smarter, you know. No way, no way. They just wanted to leave us on a little cliffhanger, you know. Ooh, what's going to happen to Romero? Exactly. No, he's he's got to avenge their love against. You know, the one that was against it. You hear that? Norma and Norman shippers? <laughs> They're going to avenge their love. <laughs> That's got to be how it goes. I agree. And I just love that he knew, I don't know how he found out about the funeral going on. You know, it is a small town. Right. No one else found out about it, but... Um... Well, Norman told them that I don't know how this would work on their end because they knew that there was a stepfather. There's, you know, no doubt, no will stating any of her wishes on her funeral and who should be in charge. Right. Uh, They knew about him and they were calling Romero. And someone would have contacted them first. Like, right. Romero possibly contacted. That makes the most sense. Funeral homes, you know, you have choices, and you don't just get assigned one or anything, you know. You shop around, and you pick one. And I'm guessing Romero called them first. The night, right. you know, that's right. a little detail that has to be done before the body leaves the morgue, and obviously Norman didn't do it because they call him. And so there's been contact with him. So wondering if he called and asked, even though Norman said that he's not going to help plan it, they may have told him when it is. I don't know, just could have just been yeah. off camera stuff. Oh, sure. That could have been, like, what younger Wilcox job is. Yeah, yeah. Just to make sure. Yeah. No, this was an amazing... This is one of my favorite scenes of the whole series. Hmm. Is, is this whole funeral... I mean, Norman giving a speech about Norman. Oh, it was amazing. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) But her. (laughs) And just, (laughs) I just loved it. All the older Wilcock is like, I'm concerned that no one else is here. And Norman's like, no one else is going to be here. (laughs) I didn't invite anybody else. (laughs) 
Shall we get started? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so amazing. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> I love that he held a funeral for nobody. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it, uh, it's perfect. Exactly what should have happened. <laughs> oh, it just... It just makes me giddy thinking about the Norman Bates and Psycho. It just... Man, just all... All these little things are starting to... Like, the jigsaw puzzle is coming together to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. And I love it. I just love it. Me too. This show is answering questions I just didn't even know I had. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Questions that Bates Motel, you know, had I thought hard about them doing all of this stuff. Totally stuff I wanted to see and have happen and questions answered. Yeah. I mean, they're doing this and more to me. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love it so much. Agreed. Uh, next, we see Romero walk into the sheriff's station and the receptionist says he isn't supposed to be there. They issued a mandatory family leave. Romero says, yeah, I really don't give a shit. Romero walks into his office, opens a cupboard, and pulls out a box that has a gun in it. He takes the gun out and pulls the clip in, puts it in his pocket, and leaves. And just as he makes it outside, the DEAs show up and arrest him. He asks what for, and she tells him perjury. And he asks what perjury, and she tells him lying to a federal agent. He says, I didn't lie to anybody. Uh, that's bullshit. And the DEA says, you told federal agent Howard Collins that you had no personal relationship with Rebecca Hamilton. We have evidence to the contrary. You're under arrest. And the DEA agent walks Romero to one of their callers and... The DEA woman says, we'll take you any way we can get you. And on any day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Romero, at some point, this little scene takes him to the level of he's just going to shoot him. Yes. Is it, so... is it the ring or... Just everything. I think so. I, I think Romero leaves the funeral, maybe goes home and has a couple drinks of cognac or something, whatever he drinks, whiskey. I think it's whiskey. And he just knows, he just knows that Norman killed her. He knows it. You know, everything that Norman has done in front of Romero has just pointed to the fact that he killed her. Everything sure. Norman has said and done. And I think Romero is just, I don't give a shit. I'm going to kill this kid. No one's going to care, you know. Well, the, the shocking... I killed Abernathy. I killed... Yeah. Marcus Young, I killed Bob Paris. I can get away with this one too, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think he gives a shit. The shocking thing is Romero knows nothing about the 
alternate personality, and he knows shockingly little about their close relationship. That's true. And what Norman's problems really are. Norman certainly didn't tell him. And he hasn't witnessed anything really weird. Yeah, but he still knows. He knows. I mean... That Norman killed her? Is that what you mean? He knows that Norman's danger. Norman just wielded an axe at him. Oh, like he does. Before. He just doesn't know how in-depth Norman is with Norma. Yeah. That's what he doesn't know. And that's what he needs to find out next season. Right. And that's why he didn't go shoot him, so he can find out. Yeah. You know, I mean, he knows Norman. Did. He he doesn't know how effed up their relationship was. He knows it's a little bit. He he knows it's more than. They're closer than. They're closer than the regular, your typical yeah. mother son, you know. But. I fully expect He knows they went through... He knows that Norman killed his father and that Norma covered that up. Right. He knows that. I just... I fully expected us to have next season with Romero living with Norma, Norman, and I expected Romero to witness head Norma. I did too. So it's weird. I feel like he still may. <laughs> but I don't know. That's just. I thought he'd see it with Norma still around and being married to her and living there. So I'm all messed I up. I did too. We both did, and we both were really hoping for that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think he's going to. I th- I I think he's gonna find taxidermy Norma. Yeah. Before he sees Norman Norma. I don't know. Maybe he'll see Norman Norma. I don't know. Maybe he'll see it and not quite get what's happening. It he might. He may it. see it all at the same time. Exactly. Right. It'll be about a. 30 second realization yes <laughs> and then he's dead yes. <laughs> oh oh <laughs> and I don't I don't want him to have to live long with the realization of what's going on with Norma yeah uh yeah what a horrible thought Romero finding out I just it's just horrible but I want it to happen Oh, it's going to happen. There's no way it's not going to happen. They have a whole season. (laughs) Just a a horrible part of me. There's no way it's not going to happen. It's just too awful. There is no way that season five is just Norman Norman. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. There's going to be Norman hiding the fact that she's dead from Dylan. There's going to be Romero. There's going to be the detective. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. But 
say, like I said, on the feedback, I think there's a mole in the sheriff office, sheriff's office. Right. Those DEAs showed up way too quickly. For someone who's not supposed to be there, someone called that in. Yeah, well, that's interesting. <laughs> so, but I don't know how much I will play. Uh, so next we see Norman sitting on Norma's bed, and he says, Mother, I have really had enough of this. If you're angry and you're just punishing me, then you win. You win. I'm sorry. Would you just please come back now? You can't just leave me here, Mother. You can't just leave me here alone in this abyss where I can't find you. Then he sits there for a minute and gets up and leaves. Cuts to Norman driving the Mercedes to the cemetery, and he takes a shovel out of the trunk. Cuts to Norman digging Norma's grave up, and he hits the coffin. He wipes the dirt, the dirt off and pulls the lid open, and she is lying there. He says, oh, mother, mother. And he pulls on her arms and sits her up, and he hugs her and kisses her hair and says he didn't mean to leave her there. He says, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. He kisses her hair again and stares at her face and says, Come along, Mother. Let's take you home. Then the camera changes. The point of view is from behind one of the mounds of dirt. And we see Norma's body get lifted out of the grave. And she falls back. And, and Norman flops her over onto her side. Norman gets out of the grave and starts shoveling dirt back in. <sighs> oh, this... Him, like, lifting her, when when the camera angle moves from inside the grave where he's looking at her face to, like, us being a witness uh -huh. of what's going on, and all of a sudden you see her, like, come out of the grave and just, like, flop back. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> that was quite a moment. Oh. So disturbing. And just her laying there as he shovels the dirt back in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then he like it flops was... her over on her side and her arm just like you know goes over and she's just laying there. Oh, he starts shoveling. So disturbing. Yeah. Just quite an image to lay out there. <laughs> it... Before he goes to the grave, that sitting on her bed and talking to her is my biggest moment of the episode where I can't decide if I'm pissed at him or feel sorry for him. You're like, the stuff he's saying, it's like, Norma, I mean, Norman, you, you're the one that killed her. And then it's just sad to hear him be so confused about it. <laughs> it's just very. I know, he's so confused. Very strange, yeah. Yeah, well, she's taking a long time, and so now he's thinking she's just punishing him. And Right. And if he asks nicely, now she'll quit the game and she'll just come back and, you know, it, this is the point of hide-and-go-seek where it just got to be too much, you know. And then I guess he's like, well, I guess I better go dig her up. <laughs> or head Norma whispers to him that that's what he needs to do next. I don't know. That's what I think. 
I think, like, Head Norma, because we talked about this in the feedback one, where we kind of decided that maybe the meds were making Head Norma, like, tamp her down. Yeah. And maybe it ended up being, like, little whispers. Yeah, not and full then once, on. once he got off the meds, it went from little whispers to full-on hallucinations of her. Yeah. Because he kind of got a determined look. He really did look like someone gave him the idea. Like, yep. Because he's like, what am I supposed to do, you know? And it seems like they're trying to show that, uh, you know, gradually the meds are wearing off. Right. Because, yeah, because he's sitting on her bed, like, defeated. Like, all right, I give up, you know. And then he just kind of gets a slick on his face, and he's like, oh, okay. And he leaves, and he goes and digs her up. Like, it's like she's telling him, well, go get my body out of the coffin, you dumbass. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't do it myself. Yep, I agree. And then next we see the Mercedes pull up to the Bates house, and Norma's in the passenger seat, and her head is leaned back against the window. Norman gets out and opens the door, and she falls out and onto the gravel. Norman pulls her up the rest of the way out of the car and picks her up and carries her into the house. He walks into the house and Juno starts barking and Norman says, We're home, Mother. We made it. Look, it's Juno. And he lays Norman down on the couch in the living room and says, Oh, Mother. Then he sits on the couch and says, You can wake up now. It's all over. Then he starts poking her cheek and says, Open your eyes. Open your eyes, Mother. It's me. You're home now. It's safe. And I won't let anyone hurt you, so just open your eyes. He jumps up and runs out and runs back with a bottle of super glue. And puts it on her eyelids and then forces her eyes open and they're all milky. He looks at her and then says, look at me, mother, look at me. I'm right here. Look at me. Mother, look at me now. Then we hear the door open and we hear hello and it's Chick. Norman runs to the door and asks if he can help him. And Chick apologizes and says he didn't mean to barge in, but the door was open. Chick says, I heard about your mother. She was a lovely woman, too lovely for this world. It'll be a darker place without her. I'm so sorry. Norman says, yeah, well, uh, thank you, but this is really not a good time. So Chick says, I understand. I just wanted to do something. Chick hands Norman a dish and says it's chicken enchilada casserole. He made it. From where Chick is standing, he can see into the living room, and he looks, and you can clearly see Norman lying on the couch. Norman looks back into the living room and looks at Chick, and Chick looks away, and Norman thanks him for stopping by and tells him it was really kind of him to bring the casserole. Chick takes a couple of steps into the house and says, So I heard the funeral. It was it was today, yeah? Norman says yes. Chick looks at him for a minute and says, Death. It's a rough one, isn't it? It's hard for our brains to accept. You see the person every day, and then they're gone. You do what you have to do, but you understand she's dead, right? He and Norman look at each other, and Chick says, I want to come check on you in a few days, if that's okay. It's the least that I can do. Enjoy the casserole, son. And Chick leaves. Norman starts breathing heavy and slowly walks into the living room and looks at Norma. 
He puts the casserole down and runs to the couch and starts crying and says, Mother, and he holds her head in his hands and her eyes are wide open but not looking at him. He kisses her on the cheek and then runs up the stairs into her room and gets the gun out of her dresser and puts a couple of bullets in it and he walks over to the bed and cocks the gun and puts a barrel in his mouth and just then the piano music starts playing downstairs. Norman pulls the gun out of his mouth and walks out of the room. The song is playing I'll Be Home for Christmas. Juno is on the stairs barking. Norman walks down the stairs and into the living room and head Norma's at the piano and the Christmas tree is up. She turns around and says, Hi, honey. Norman says, You're here. You did come back. I thought you'd left me. She says, I'd never leave you. You know that. He walks over to the piano bench and says, Mother, you're home. We're finally together. And he sits down next to her. She says, Yes, honey, forever and ever. She continues to play the piano and he puts his arm around her. And the episode ends with an outside shot of the house and the motel with Christmas lights up. I caught on this watch, too, that at the end when the I'll Be Home for Christmas starts playing and Juno's on the stairway, he's got, mm-hmm. like, a little Christmas collar on. <laughs> 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 what a nice touch. I love that. <laughs> I did not notice that my previous watch. I think watches. I noticed it my second watch. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Very Christmassy. Yep. Boy, I was full on expecting it to show a flash of no Christmas, his arm around a phantom thing, and to see dead normal on the couch. Me too. <laughs> didn't do that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I think that lets us know that he is full on yeah. broke. Yeah, because last season it did do that. We saw him mm-hmm. hugging a, a nothing. Mother yeah, event. you would see, you know, flashes of him with nothing. Yeah, I think that was really deliberate. It was totally deliberate. It's got to be that he, his brain broke. Chick broke his brain. He did. Yep. And that's the uh, fracture we needed to have happen. And he needed to have happen. Well, I think it was actually Norma saving him. Had Norma saving him from putting a bullet in his mouth. Right. But yeah, it fractured him to that point to get Head Norma to save him. Yeah, and who would have thought that Chick would be the one to... <laughs> hey, I know that his name was in the credits at the beginning, but I didn't notice it the first time. I guess I didn't even see the beginning. But it was just such a surprise and a delight and a fright to see him there. It was amazing, that first... Oh, my gosh. Seeing him come to the door. Oh, that was so intense. And not the first time, not really knowing if he saw her or not. But just and coming in further into the house. I so intense. love that so much that he saw her. Yeah. And then took like two more steps into the house. Yeah. Because Norman knows that he saw her. Because Norman took a look and like looked at the same... You know, like, oh shit, he uh-huh. sees her. What do I do? And what does Chick do? 
he steps into the house even more. Mm-hmm. And then just gives him that, you know, you know she's dead, right? <laughs> you know? And, and kind of a little talk about death and how hard it is. And Oh, and he I also, he assures himself that the funerals happened. Yes. So he's putting together, like I said, he figures Norman out so fast. So fast. He's never met him before. You know, he's met Dylan, and he's met Caleb, and he's met Norma. But this is his first meeting of Norman. And he just figures it out so fast, you know. That's amazing. And I just love how he plays it, you know. He's like, it's a rough run. You know, it's rough. Death is rough. Yeah. They're there, and then pff, they're gone. You're obviously uh, and I just love how dealing with it in an interesting way. And here <laughs> you do what you need to do to deal with it, but I'm going to... I'm going to come back this. in a couple days, <laughs> you know. Is Chick I going just... to survive that next meeting? No, I don't think so. I don't either. Yeah, I... I don't think so. I I don't see Chick surviving. I... The way I see it, I think, I think Chick... I think Chick's gonna let Romero know. I think that's oh, how Romero's gonna know. Interesting. And I think Chick is going to go check on Norman. And that's not going to go well. Yeah. And I think Romero's going to believe Chick. Well, you know? maybe Norman takes it further than Chick is expecting. So maybe the first time around he does check on him, he's, you know, more disturbed than he is now. <laughs> about what Norman's doing, and that's where he feels like he needs to intervene to Romero. And then maybe he does. Maybe. I don't know. It's really hard to know. Yeah, it's it's hard to know, because it's, you know, it's Chick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's Chick. If I have a hard time predicting what Norman's going to do, it it is absolutely impossible (laughs) to predict Chick. (laughs) (laughs) Except I kind of... I feel like I get him, like I got right away that Chick was not going to hassle Norman further, Norma further, and he was going to do her window, and he was okay with that, you know? Yeah. We we both got that right away. We both... Mm-hmm. I I had no qualms about his like motive or anything I I knew right away that he liked her and that he wasn't gonna tell everybody you know yeah we called the chick side on that pretty good yeah I I think we know chick pretty well I do too I think we get him I think we get his vibe I think we get him and it's it's a great vibe well and it's funny you know cause Booker watched this episode. This is the only episode oh, yeah. of Bates Motel that he's watched. 
And he saw this little part of Chick, and he's like, well, if anything gets me to watch a show, it's Chick. <laughs> and I was like, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you have no idea how much your ass you loves this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I really do. I think Chick is one of the greatest characters on this show. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. But he... I love that he didn't freak out and just, yeah. you know, it's dude. so chick. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's just, and it doesn't say anything bad about chick either. It's, oh. it's just him saying, okay, okay, she's, wow, he went and dug his mother up. That's, that's you not know? normal, but There's who am that. I to say? <laughs> who am I, exactly, who am I to say? You know, because I'm weird myself, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to let you have a couple days, but I'm going to come see you again, you know? Yeah. I'm going to see how you're doing, you know, because maybe in his mind, Norman needs that night with his mother's dead body and then Norman's going to go put her back. Yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I I like it. I love it. Love it. And I love that Chick is the one that ultimately broke Norman's brain. I know. Because Norman definitely after that talk with Chick, when he goes back to his mother's body... That's the only time I think he really realizes that she is dead. Right, but he's kind of on the precipice because he is so frustrated. I mean, just talking to her. Okay, now this is the point where you're for sure going to wake up. We are here alone. Right, right. All of that stuff's done. The charade is done. The charade is over. Everyone thinks you're... you're in the ground and... Now, okay, wake up, and she doesn't. He even glues her eye. Okay, I'll help you out a little bit. Glues them open. She's not looking at him. He's just getting continually perplexed and frustrated, and then in the middle of that, it gets interrupted by Chick. By Chick, right. And then Chick, you know, says the worst thing to break his brain at that moment because he's probably I think this is the point where he's the most unsure about what's going on and why his mother isn't waking up and what's going on here and then right. Chick says it right out loud right and that just that breaks, breaks it and then he you know takes off Chick leaves and Norman runs to her in a panic it's like, oh my gosh, he's right, he's right. And I can't handle this. And so he runs upstairs to shoot himself. And he kisses her on the cheek, yes? Or does he kiss her on the lips? I don't remember the kiss at all, so I can't say. Okay. It seems like a kiss on the cheek to me. Okay. So is that says goodbye? Alright, I'll join you in the afterlife then. I think so. I think so, because he's like holding her head... This is after Chick leaves. He's holding her head in her in his hands, and he like reaches down and kisses her. But they don't. I think it's a kiss on the cheek. 
It could be a kiss on the lips. Do you not see it well enough? Or you... No, you don't see it well enough. But even if it is a kiss on the lips, that's okay too to me. Yeah, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's what Daniel is referring to as the Sleeping Beauty. Oh. Kiss. Oh, I thought when he said that, I thought maybe he was doing it at the beginning of the night. I don't know. The beginning of just bringing her home, like, okay, now you're going to wake up, so I'll try this. Nope. Okay, I'll glue your eyelids open. I guess I didn't really think about it. Oh, does he kiss her then? Because I don't think... I don't think he... No. I just didn't remember any kiss at all. So when Daniel said that, that's where my mind put it. Oh, I gotcha. Now that I hear it was thin, uh, then I don't believe at all he's trying to wake her up at that point. I think he has... I think, I think his brain like his for a few body. minutes, yeah, I think his brain for just a few minutes knew she was dead and he couldn't handle it, so he ran upstairs to kill himself to join her because that's what he wanted in the first place, is for them to die together. Exactly. And that's it didn't exactly work out. So yeah. now he's like, okay, I'm, whoops, I did kill her, she's dead, I need to join her like I meant to before, like I was supposed to, but Romero saved me. So, right. here I go. And his brain, head Norma, saved him. It's like, okay, that's you've had enough, boy. <laughs> let's, uh, let's live in this little happy land. No. That's it. So, yeah, yeah I don't, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm gonna debunk the sleeping beauty trying to wake her up. Because if, if the kiss is at that point, he's, he's not expecting her to wake up. He's kissing her goodbye. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the kiss he's talking about. That's, and they do it at an angle. I, I really think it's a kiss on the cheek. And whether it's a kiss on the cheek or a kiss on the lips, it just really doesn't matter at that point. No. Because cause you're right. He was like, okay, goodbye, Mom. You know. Well, to think that he's trying to wake her up at that point would just be understanding this whole scene differently than I do, which I guess is fine, but I believe I'm right. (laughs) That he, uh... He understands at that point she's dead. Yeah, but he knows she's dead, and so he needs... And so he runs upstairs to kill himself. And then the music, the piano music, saves him from killing himself. His, yeah... Oh, so good. It's so good. Yeah, it is for me. Oh. oh my gosh, I can't wait until next season. I seriously. This is the best season ender they've ever done. Oh yeah. They each outdo themselves. Man, they do. They do. <laughs> good job team. Bates writing everything. All of you, everyone involved. Oh, man, bravo. This has been the best season. This, oh, this has just been amazing. Awesome. So, so yeah, I give this episode 10 out of 10, like, old-timey bottles of super glue. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Give it 10 out of 10. Chicken and gelato casserole. (laughs) <laughs> Way to get out Grandma Summer Super Glue. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
I've never seen it in a like a <laughs> like a bottle like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like nail polish. And if anyone's ever dealt with super glue, <laughs> you know they can't possibly exist. <laughs> <laughs> and it said super glue, didn't it? Or just glue? No, I paused it. It says super glue. Because I was like, what is that? Yeah, because the only gluey kind of stuff I've seen in a bottle like that is like spirit gum. For like Halloween, for like beards and things. Right, and it's not. It it said glue, it did not say spirit gum. It said, I saw the word super glue. So, it is super glue. So it's like an old tiny bottle of super glue, (laughs) which is just hilarious. Because anyone who's ever dealt with super glue knows that nope as soon as oxygen hits that crap it's gone <laughs> weird weird choice show <laughs> yep. no I love it that's just just adds to just the timelessness and it just it's just so baits to me yeah he <laughs> Do you have a what the bip? Oh. <laughs> so many. Um, I'm going to what the bip the DEA. Oh. You know? Yeah, what the bip her stick up her ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't really talk about it this episode, so... You're right, though. Yeah, that is definitely... For people who don't listen to the feedback episode, Emily and I are extremely upset about Romero getting arrested, and we think the DEA is just an awful person. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're just confused, one, what her deal is with Romero. Yeah. Why she's so determined and and I'm personally upset at her for arresting him like the day before Christmas on the day of his wife's funeral. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> I even brought up the question like does she have such a stick up her ass for him? Because, like, did his dad arrest her dad or something? Yeah, that just seems thing... convoluted and and it, it not right seems... for the last season. It it doesn't. Yeah, it just seems tropey and but it just I it just doesn't make sense to me that they're so determined to arrest him. Yeah, I'm just guessing. I mean, she's said little things since the beginning that's like, you, you know, they've kind of set this up from last season. Kind of like, all this was going on and you are just now, you know, what have you been doing? So, there's a little of her kind of wondering. But, on the other hand... Well, there is, but you've pointed out, like, he also got them a lot of arrests. And, right. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. He's brought them a lot of information. 
Yeah. He gave them Bob Paris and then took it back, but she doesn't know that for sure. But she may, I don't know. I'm looking, I'm more on board with the fact that I think she really wanted Bob Paris and since she didn't get him, she's trying for some sort of career arrest for herself to further on her career. And if she can't get Bob Paris and bring that down, she's severely disappointed in that. So she's going to bring down the sheriff and just, you know, besides the fact that she's right about him, she's going to make some showy arrest to further her own career. That's all I can think of. Right. So she's like a Elliot Ness. Mm-hmm. Aspiring to. <laughs> you know. Well, I'll just get Capone on tax evasion. Right. You know, I'll get him on something. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Yeah. Well, still what the bib to me. Oh, yeah. Sure. No, you're right. That is that is my what the bib. Like <laughs> or what the bip is like nothing about Norman. <laughs> like, well, that's too obvious. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, we're gonna do a season. We're gonna look back at the season. We're gonna have one more podcast about it, and then we'll probably get into some psycho stuff. Yeah, it'd also be fun to. Maybe review a few movies that the cast have been in. I think so. I'd like to do that. I would. I would, for sure. Cool. If you yeah. if you want to send some feedback, um, an overall look at the season, or even the show so far, that'll probably come up a little bit in the podcast, too. Um, we're going to try and get a few guests on board for this one. And yeah, so you can leave us feedback for that at uh, yesmotherpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you have any requests, something that you want us to watch. Yeah. You know, go ahead. Send it to yesmotherpodcast at gmail.com and yeah, we want to keep this one going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll do some what we've been watching. I'm thinking of going back to our favorite movies and rewriting down into a more solid notebook the movies I, from other people's lists I said I'd watch, and maybe we could oh, yeah. That's a good idea. talk about a few of those, watch them. That's, and... that's an excellent idea. All right. So... All right. All right. No spoiler section, I guess. No. All right. We'll see you guys. We're not going to be doing it right away. Not too long, but we'll see. Keep an eye on the feed. Stuff will come. Might be a little bit. All right. All right. Show your own ass. (laughs) Bye. Mother, do you think she's good enough?
good. Mama's gonna keep baby healthy and clean. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. Ooh, baby. You'll always be baby to me. My mother was the most wonderful person who ever lived. She was just beautiful beyond words, radiant, half queen, half little girl. She had an innocence to her that illuminated everything that she did. Everything that she touched, every word that she said. She was like a miracle. And I miss her. I miss, I miss her, I miss her so, so terribly. I just can't believe she left. She was not supposed to leave me. And I know that they say that God has a plan and that we have, and we have to trust that. We have to trust the plan. Well, it would be nice to know what the hell that plan is. I guess nobody thought telling me that would be important. I'm just supposed to figure this shit out by myself. Are you all right, Norman? Yes, I am fine. Yes, but, but we must we must trust God. We must trust His plan. Like children, we must blindly. F Excuse me. My lover's got humor. She's a giggle at a funeral. Knows everybody's disapproval. Should've worshipped her sooner If the heavens ever did speak She's the last true mouthpiece Every Sunday's getting more bleak Fresh poison each week We were born sick You heard them say it My church offers no absolutes She tells me worship in the bedroom The only heaven I'll be sent to Is when I'm alone with you I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Amen. 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 Take me to church, child.
So you made it home okay last night then? We did about uh, close. About it was about one fifteen. Yep. Did you hit any weather outside of Evanston? No, nothing. Oh man. How was your drive? It was fine, and then we got about halfway between Little America and Evanston, mm-hmm. and it was a blizzard, like a white-out blizzard. What? Yes. There wasn't even a sign of it. Oh, my gosh. We ended up going, like, maybe 35 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. And could barely see, like, the semi or car in front of us. Wow. For, like, For how a, long? For a good 30 miles or so. Weird. Yeah. It started about 30 miles outside of Evanston. And then when we finally got into Evanston, it turned to rain. And then it rained till a little bit past, like, that port of entry. And then it was fine. Hmm. But, yeah, it was crazy. Just out of nowhere. Yeah. We weren't even getting like little sprinkles. It just went from like nothing to blizzard. Well, I'm glad I didn't have that <laughs> at like midnight or whenever. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Oh man, did you guys do the I guess it was light when you did the the shortcut. <laughs> yeah. It was pitch dark. And I started thinking about the witch. <laughs> Let's just say I was really glad when she civilization again. When she got on I seventy. <laughs> That's a lonely dark road. It is lonely. I counted. We passed three cars. Exactly three. That entire stretch. Dang. That's like almost a sixty mile stretch. Yep. And. The moon was huge. It was, like, just coming up over the horizon. Uh-huh. And Wyoming is bigger because they don't have the mountain range right there. Right. And it freaked Scout out. It was so big, she, like, started crying. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, I am with space, so I started getting all <laughs> just it's creepy. I kept, I kept picturing <laughs> Black Philip on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Creepy goat. Yeah. Black <laughs> Philip was going to just be a pair on the road in front of me. The moon was so big it made Scout cry. Yeah. She just, well, the problem was, first she thought it was cool, and then I think last night was the night they were talking about Mars being like so close. I remember on my Facebook wall, like, mm-hmm. Facebook told me to check out right. Mars tonight or whatever. So I told her about it that it's, that it's big, bigger. <laughs> you have to think of it from a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old's <laughs> point of view. I said, Mars is so big tonight, we'll be able to see it. And she just started getting creeped out. <laughs> so, I think she pictured in her head it'd be like this giant planet in our sky. <laughs> so Sounds like she's inherited a little bit of Mama's I totally, fair space. I totally decided that one. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
No, it was light. Our, you know, we got, got dropped me off at my house at about quarter to six. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, picture just that lonely stretch and just no. like. I don't like to do that at night when we're all together. <laughs> yeah. No. It. I second guessed myself when I was halfway through it. I thought it was just like I said, it was a huge relief just all around to make it to civilization again. Yeah. Oh yeah, those That's are the times that you're like, please don't get like a flat tire or something. Yeah. You know? Oh gosh. That would have been so sucky. Oh I'd man. Be so scared. <laughs> <laughs> please don't let my car start making weird noises. <laughs> but you know, it was late. I was desperate to make any sort of shortcut I could. Oh sure. Yeah. That's how fairy tales start, I guess. <laughs> Folk tales. <laughs> yes. And we never saw them again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, urban legends. <laughs> <sighs> Whatever would have happened, Black Phillip would have been involved. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know it. <laughs> Just a straight goat on the road. That would have been so creepy. I didn't like that that goat talked. 